Welcome to episode 7 of season 3, Inside the Heliosphere. And where do I start with Johnny Tapps, John Taplin? Um, he's just one of these characters who, and, and we met via uh, some, well, we were both working for, uh, working in the health side of things in the Victorian horse racing industry. That's where we met, and Racing Victoria, that is. Um, you know, tearing around behind horses and jockeys in an ambulance, making sure that, that everyone's okay in the industry side of things. Obviously, the jockeys, but everyone else in the in the horse racing industry. And Johnny Taplin is one of these characters who is just universally loved. Really, everybody everybody knows him. Um, he's a he's a big name in the Victorian paramedic community. Um, but he's had these enormous lives before that as well. And uh, I know there's going to be a lot of my friends uh, from from uh, the racing industry and the um, Amulets Victoria listening to this one. So uh, hello, hello, guys, and I miss you all. Uh, I hope you enjoy this this interview. I tried to cover everything this, this man's done, at least a bit. Uh, you know, you can be the judges of, of whether you've heard it all before or there, there was some surprising stuff that he didn't know um there was I, I knew a lot of i knew a lot of his history just from obviously hanging out with him and hearing certain stories you know his experiences uh well i won't spoil it for you but his experiences with with various prime ministers of australia um i wasn't prepared for and didn't know about some of uh, the the personal issue, issues he's had in his life and uh, the way that he opened up and spoke about those towards the end of this interview, I thought was was remarkable um, and humbling for me to to listen to. So, thanks for going there, Johnny, and um, hopefully I'll see you again at the races soon. And with that, he pressed play <laughs> or record. Um, oh, that's the one thing I didn't mention actually. Uh, into the the one. Uh, we are recording now, but are you happy for your surname to be? Yes, not yeah? a problem. All right, all right, John Taplin. <laughs> Welcome to the Heliosphere, mate. Thanks. Chris. Um, I was. Uh, I, I, I I always like to start with a hypothetical or a, a sort of question. Um, let's call it a loosener. But I got for everyone that's listening, and and for those of you that know Johnny Taps, he's he's pretty he's pretty relaxed right now. <laughs> he doesn't need a loosener. Um, but but the question I had for you was a curlier one, I think. I was going to ask you, I'll ask you the second one second, but it was, how do you think you're perceived by people? What do you think other people see you as? Um, at times, I, I think the drift that you get back is that, um, that you initially probably appear to be an approachable person. Mm-hmm. Um hopefully seen to be caring and thoughtful, mm-hmm. um, a nice a nice bloke, if mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. a, a good summary. Um, but then when you reflect on your life, that's probably right, how I would think people perceive me. Um, I've always been well-liked, mm-hmm. which can be good and bad, especially on uh, a gender-liking, which might be a... Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that one. Yeah. <laughs> Stay so, Yeah. It's, okay. Um, yeah. And yeah. Oh, look, that's how I would think. Yeah. 
um, people find you. Have you been consistent in you know because I, I've I've we've known each other for approximately about two years, give or take. Yeah. Um, and I would ha- absolutely agree. You know, you're the you're the archetypal. Um, no one has got a bad word to say about you. Seriously, consistently, you know, good bloke. And I think actually nice is a, you know, it's it's sort of attracted this opprobrium, isn't it? Like nice is this kind of tepid, but it's actually a really good word, I think, you know. Um, yeah, but I would agree. Good bloke. <laughs> Just for the record. Has, have you, consi- do you think you've, because cons- we're going to obviously go through this remarkable, I mean, remarkable career, that you've, that careers, actually that you've had have you have you have you been consistent have you have you have you been the same person throughout your sort of, you know very different jobs have you tried to be the same have you made a choice or is it just it's just you who you are you're the same as you are as you at school everything else um i think very much so and um in some unusual uh work and lifestyle situations that you've been in um it sort of dawned on me. I remember when I was in the Federal Police and um, we were over in Perth doing uh, a task force job looking into long sort of sales tax fraud. Right. And it was um, a little bit of it probably before you, because um, it's sort of when you're still in the UK, but it was called mm. like the bottom of the harbour tax avoidance scheme. Okay. And, and it was seen by many accountants to to the business owners as a reasonable, fair way mm-hmm. of reducing your tax. Mm-hmm. But it was actually illegal mm-hmm. and through the tax office and then the federal police got involved in investigative and I got the gig over in Western Australia. And it was interesting, the the owner of the business and, and they were sort of with boats and um, they were selling luxury boats and, and by how they went through a scheme where it, they never had to pay sales tax on it. So it it meant we had a whole lot of search warrants that we had to go and Mm. go to a judge and Mm. get all those search warrants signed off. And and on executing one of the search warrants, um, the owner, quite a reasonable guy, and... um, and and I think just as a summing up of uh, the nice person, yeah, um, he was um, saying to his lawyers, "Look, he's a really nice young guy. He's very fair." Right. And the lawyers' advice back to him, he goes, "They're the most dangerous ones." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Got reflecting back, yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. he took a liking to you. Because you were fair, you weren't your typical copper coming around to lock him up. Yep. Um, he probably did open up a lot more than yeah. his lawyers would have wanted him yeah. to. But that wasn't a plan of yours, though. You were just it being yourself. It was not a plan. I was mm-hmm. just being by myself. Yep. Like, yep. clearly, I was recording everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it it always stuck with me. Mm. Um, that so that was comment. a life lesson learned or, or, a, or a professional lesson learned, perhaps. And then I realised, like, and when... It wasn't a surprise because I, I had a, a pretty good career lined up for me from someone who just working class background, yeah. hadn't done overly well at school. Right. I was lining up to be having a really good career in the federal police. Yes. Um, but a good career in the federal police like it is in the armed services yeah. means uh, you're away or, right. a lot mm-hmm. and that yep. your family, you slot in yep. somewhere after the government. Yep. Yep, absolutely, got it. <laughs> and 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 we both know that. Uh, well, I, I I think 
uh, for our conversations, we we share uh, we share the uh, the way we place our priorities in life. Let's say. So I get that. All right. So you've just, it's beautiful. It's just like, you've just given me a, a cliffhanger for later. Or, or, you know, everyone's going, oh, federal police. Okay. And I have to decide, by the way, when I put this all together, I have to write, you know, a, a spiel. I don't know how much people read it. I write a haiku, a poem, and then I write, you know, a little bit about our relationship and things. And I almost don't want to say too much about yours because yours will just reveal itself beautifully <laughs> during the, you know, almost like a novel or something. Um, you've got a very cinematic uh story if i may say um okay so the second you know completely unrelated question but it's one i like to actually ask people about and i think having listened to your um choice of seven songs again last night i think i know the answer with you but it is a a, a quite abstract one but how do you hear music do you are you somebody that goes that listens for lyrics or do you just hear the whole thing? Do you hear the melody? You know, do you go? Do you go for, the, you know, the beats of the, the the rhythm of the thing? What 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 is it when you listen to a piece of music, say for the first time? What is it that you, that gets you? A combination of all of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the melody gets you in, mm-hmm. and then that creates an atmosphere where you pick up on odd lyrics. And, and I'm sure I'm not alone that you've um, sang either um, quietly or with gusto for years yeah. the wrong, the wrong. <laughs> That's right. That's right. There's whole bits about that, isn't there? There's comedians that do whole bits about, you know, uh, perennially misunderstood or misheard. But you like, those, you like those wrong lyrics in the end, don't you? You do, and yeah. it's really hard to adjust. That's right. That's now, right. With, well, especially with Apple Music yes. and, and seeing the lyrics, it's nearly <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> Is that what they say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think even though that is embarrassing and you have got it wrong, it doesn't necessarily change the whole concept of why that song. That's right. Uh, which is a bit of music with lyrics, yeah. But in such a way that um, it, some grab you, mm-hmm. yeah. And and there's many you could choose from, and and I also like watching um, music videos. Oh yeah, and there's a little bit of a link of. Well, probably ended up being only one that I chose, but there's been some others. Um, uh, which um, are situational, mm-hmm. and for me, going into people's houses as a paramedic, mm-hmm. um, a little bit police-wise, but more so as a paramedic because of the, of the type of circumstance you're in when you arrive. Yeah, people have called triple O, and yep. and sometimes you'll walk in, and there'll be music videos playing. <laughs> Right, so you've actually got association. Oh, has that happened to you? So this it's it's happened a number of times, and depending on your role that you have, like you you see it all the time. But you know, there's someone's driving Mm -hmm. the ambulance. If Mm -hmm. you're not like for the last sort of ten plus years, I worked by myself as a single responder. But um, before that, in a truck, you might be the driving that day, so you're taking in a lot of other things. Mm Whilst the guy who's attending or girl has gone in to, mm. you know, start getting the history. Mm. So you'll look around and 
Yeah. And that can be yeah. Well, I mean, plan strategic. I mean, it's a remarkable job, isn't it? For for another, you know, we'll again. There's so much to get through, but um, so John's just given you the second <laughs> another 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 role that he's he's had and 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 has become uh, you know has risen to the very top of. Let me say, um, but that's that's a, rem- a, a, a one truly remarkable aspect of that job. I mean, it's it's remarkable enough that you see people, you know, when they fall off horses or, or crash mm. their cars or, or whatever it is in the street. Remarkable enough that they they come into the emergency department in the early stages of their pathology, but to go into somebody's private space, into their home, and 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 they're vulnerable by definition. Mm. They call triple O, like you said. I mean, that's a remarkable facet of your job, isn't it? It's, it's quite unique. Yeah. Um, and I wonder why. I wonder why you. Um, I wonder if there's some some connection. Your senses are on such high alert. Maybe perhaps some as a hypothesis, that's why you do remember certain songs that were playing things. Absolutely, and and this one in particular, if, and I'm sure you've probably seen mm-hmm. yep. um, the music video of Live Lightning Crashes. Oh, I've not. No, I haven't. You haven't. No, no. no. Uh, it's it's a sort of an interesting one, right? And it's got that sort of English Gothic sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, scene of a baby being born, of someone dying, mm. and the whole transcendental relationship that mm. happens within that room of a woman dying in giving birth. Wow. The baby. It's, um, you get the chance for anyone listening or yourself I, well, to look I, at, I certainly look at will. lightning crashes and. Rather than just the song itself, the music video and the circumstance of me walking into this house in the early hours of the morning, yep. and it just drew me into their large television set. Right. And that was playing. And that was playing. Blimey. Well, look, you know, that, that sounds, uh, I'm such a pro, that sounds like we should, we should, we should start with, with that one, shall we? Um, yeah. Let me just pull up your... I haven't. I didn't put that one down. But oh, you got. I've got. Sorry, I've got. No, you're right. Sorry, I was. I was thinking of the ambulance men. <laughs> Did you yeah. want? To... Look, that's a little bit out of order. Right. Of um, if you looked at it in a chron- chronological, chronological order. Okay, order. let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, because it comes a little bit. Even though I put it in front of another song, which mm. is Joe Walsh, yes. which was obviously in my police days. Mm-hmm. Um, the ambulance one was came after that. Yep. Uh, when I moved to the ambulance industry, and mm-hmm. um, then I'd gone, and which is another I'm jumping yeah, off yeah. on the side. <laughs> but uh, then so went off my to job the to, union role. It's my job to, to to wrestle you out of rabbit holes, as we discussed. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, true. Um, all right. No, I got it. I got it. And I, and I, and I like the way that you. Um, it, because the nature of this interview discussion, whatever you want to call it, is that I, I like to be able to stay on my toes and, and dive wherever. But you, you sent a very ordered <coughs> pro form, as in chronologically ordered. <coughs> so we will start song one when we get there. All right. Um, okay. The next. I'm just gonna. I just because I wasn't going to ask you this, but I'm just going to anyway because I love the I love the hypotheticals. Okay. So you're allowed. You like cars? Do you like cars? I do like yeah. cars. Yes. All right. So in your dream garage, I'm going to give you three cars. Go for it. Top of your head. 
This is this is John in free form jazz now. Um, and I've I've heard this question before. And, 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 <laughs> I'm so predictable. Uh, and uh, no, <laughs> and uh, it was it was very interesting to hear. And I think probably um, from that interview, I'd be sort of really quite different. Is this Brody um, you're talking about? You talking yeah. about Brody? Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. with the Defender. And, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And the V8. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man, yeah, but, you did. Uh, just, yeah. It's um, probably my number one would be a Toyota Land Cruiser. Okay. We had a, a VX Land Cruiser um, with Lynn and myself, and mm-hmm. we, we've sort of travelled all up through central Australia, Darwin, across mm. across um, through Kununurra to the Kimberleys and down yeah. through the Pilbara and the, yeah. and all the gold mining with, you know, sort of incredible temperatures. And, um, and it didn't miss a beat? The Land Cruiser took it Didn't miss all. a beat. Like, yeah. just beautiful. We, look, we got rid of it and the guy who came to buy it recognised that we looked after it like a member of the family yeah. And, yeah. and he was willing to... Not negotiate because he wanted to get it in case we changed our mind. How, how old? What, what, what was the year of manif- I don't it, know what the it X was, um, It was the last of the 100 series. Mm-hmm. It was the VX, which was one down from the Sahara. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a six then because mm-hmm. when they went to the 200 series, they went to so all v- V8s. V8, yeah. And what was interesting was someone said digressing a little bit, but someone said to me um, at a service station when, because the 200s had just come in with the V8s and he said, look, they'll never last. And, mm. um, Meaning know, the, the V8s? straight six, yeah, yeah the V8s okay. in it. Um, and he said, look, the straight sixes are always going to be better. But as it huh. was, the 200s last a long, long time. Mm. And I might just hang in there until the, the 300 Land Cruiser series comes out, mm-hmm. which I think it'll go back to, to a six. And they right? may well have petrol options mm. for it because of just the whole changing thing with yep. diesels. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the diesel thing took a hit. Okay, all right, so that's one. That's one car. One. Um, that's, it, that's, the, that's your outbacky, off-roady, you know, cracking... Very Australian, even though it's obviously Japanese, but it's very. I mean, they're almost Australian now, and they yes. Land Cruisers. And, and I, look, I, and and that sort of is interesting. You say that because that'll be like probably one of the cars would have what I've got now. Mm. But the second one, I'd have to say, after uh, taking my um, stepdaughter and we went to the trip to America, yes. which you mentioned bits and pieces yeah, about over the time. Yeah, we've had good chats. Is is with the Chevy Tahoe, the oh, suburban Tahoe. I know, yep, yep, yep. And yep. <laughs> um, it, it was just one of the highlights of my life driving that white Tahoe. Yep. Um, for about, I don't know, 2,600 miles yeah. a, across through from California up talk about to a, Texas. Talk about a tool for every job, right? I mean, that was that mm. exactly the same experience. That was just the the right car for exactly what you described. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Even though she constantly would whip me if she thought I was getting too close to the curb. And a couple of times <laughs> ah. I did clip the curb. Oh. And um, because it's really because you're on the opposite That's side right. for That's the right. driving. That's right. Um, it is quite big. You are quite high. It's a lump of a car, that one. Lump of a car, and mm. and so you think you're actually lined up pretty well mm-hmm. on your um, 
left side. That's right. <laughs> and yeah. and of where and it was just I had to then work out a strategy of where the lines were to the front fender mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the space, even though I've driven ambulances and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be an issue for so many years. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the word. I love the way that you you, you use the word strategy, like a, a simple, <laughs> not simple, but you know something. A, a road trip through America, and you're you're uh, you've taken a problem, you've thought about it, and you've come up with a strategy to deal with the problem. <laughs> I'm, um, just just um, mention your stepdaughter's name because I know that trip was with Angela. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big one, wasn't it? All right, it and then gee, man, we haven't even listened to your first song yet. What's it? What's your third? What's the third car? Third car would be. My car I've got now, the yep. last build of the uh, of the Holden. Oh, really? So managed so you, to no no Ferrari, no 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 no, no, no Porsche, no no no, no, no MGB. Always, no, I'd always be like, now is this a a typical Australian cultural thing? Mm. I and again a little bit of digressing, but we do it. We did a um, a roadie through uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, the car that we were meant to pick up in London, um, we wanted to have sat-nav in it. Mm-hmm. And the only one they had with sat-nav was a, um, a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the it was the C200 but an AMG. Oh, boy. With the V8. With with the V8 it. It? Not with the V8. Oh, okay. Um, but was... Just the whole setup of it was really low. They're amazing. Low profile tires. Yeah, and and it was the smaller one of it, so it was locked for the roads in in England. It, mm-hmm. it we fitted just about fitting the country okay. lanes yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so, but I was always embarrassed. Okay. So to have it was oh. sort of like a bit of a weird Australian cultural thing okay. and the tall poppy thing. Gee, that you didn't bite, want that to bites, be put up it? there because you'll get knocked down. Uh-huh. So that's Come why on. I'd always stick with the cult, really? like either Ford or Holden. I can see you in Australian a drop top Austin Healey or an MGB. Come on, <laughs> Ween three hair, sunglasses on, something like that. No one's going to think you're an idiot for driving one of them. And that's the difference between fantasy and reality. <laughs> but, uh, All right, we'll go with the. I did not expect that, but we'll go with the Holden Commodore. He said. The top of the line one. Okay. <laughs> Swallowing hard. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let, let's, let's go with your first song. This always happens. 20 minutes in. That's not bad. That's actually not bad. The pattern is usually song one around about whenever now, and then another hour passes before song two. Yep. This is, I'm just warning you. Have you got B somewhere? No. <laughs> okay. All good. <laughs> There's no races today. Did you see that? Yeah. The, Isn't that strange? The Monday. Yeah trial has become just nothing second year of it interesting okay so if you don't mind i'm gonna i'm just gonna quote you uh word for word um and then you can expand um jimmy buffett album is aia 1976 trying to reason with hurricane season first listen to this album and this particular song in 1976 i have worked long hours for a long time and sometimes you need some downtime agree with that amen the lines that resonated always with me many times how how you know you need a rest need time to get inspired in a week i'll be in gay paris or paris and that's a mighty long airplane ride so this is about so it's gone uh, that that's what you said 
it speaks yes. for itself. But anything else you want to say about this one? Um, only like it's a, even though it's a setting and, and typical with Jimmy Buffett for people who are Jimmy Buffett well, fans. Tell, tell us, tell because I, I, people outside of Australia and you know or outside of the style of music might not know who he is. Yeah, he's like a very much a legend yeah. in uh, uh, on the east coast of America mm-hmm. and uh, especially very much in those southern states. Yep. A lot of his songs are about uh, pirates, about oh. uh, yachts and sailing, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot are around Miami, even though he lives uh, in um, up, up in New York State right. and uh, has written books and he's performed um, – yeah, right back to the seventies. Yeah, as a young guy, he's he's sort of probably yeah, he's about my age, and um, he's a surfer as well. And yeah. over the years, has done um, albums about surfing. As, yeah, right. Uh, um, but very much in that calypso um, country yeah. type genre. Yep. Yeah. Uh, some unique out there songs, but a lot of it about drinking. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it um, about philosophies on life, but in a more upbeat, happier way, rather mm-hmm. than a blue overtone. So is this a it. song that you still is this? Do you still go back to this song? Is it something? Still go back to this song because it's even though the reference is um, to I need a bloody Mary, so I move next door to the bar. Yeah. Is um, it wasn't about that. It was about the long hours, trying to cope with work, expectations, mm. and then your other life. Like, what was your normal life in those days? Right. Was your normal life with my then wife that we'd met? Mm-hmm. You know, sort of, I was 18, she was 16. Yeah, well. And then you had these two things. And when you got into this other life, it was weird in a way. So I guess the setting for that is just as people are hungover, you can be hungover with work and life. Yes. Not necessarily with over drinking. And did you um, use this, I mean, it's probably too simplistic, a brushstroke, but did you use this more to recover when you were exhausted and had travelled for miles? Or was it to gear yourself up to go and do that incredibly challenging work that you were doing at that time. Both. Both of yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I'd you'd listen a lot on, because they were cassettes then. That's right. And uh, on trips, because then um, uh, Jeanette, my wife at the time, was living down on the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. And I was living in Canberra while I was oh, working. Yeah. And yeah. then I'd be doing the drive when I get some days off. Oh, boy. Driving down. So I'd be listening to this often, dri- driving from Canberra to oh. Melbourne. Uh, that's just for, for those of you outside again of Australia. or That's the, gosh, I mean, what, 12 hours? Is that yeah, about a, eight, eight to nine hours. Right, oh, okay. So speed limits are a bit more flexible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Well, let's let's press play, um, and, and we'll listen to this. Squalls out on 
Gulf Stream Big storms coming soon I passed out in my hammer And got a slip to way past noon Stood up and tried to focus I hoped I wouldn't have to look far I knew I could use a bloody Mary Stumble next door to the bar And now I must confess I could use some rest I can't run at this pace very long Yes, it's quite insane I think it hurts my brain There's something about this Sunday It's a most peculiar grave Strolling down the avenue That's known as 818 Feeling tired and I got inspired I knew that it wouldn't last long So all alone I walked back home Sat on Beach and then I made up this song And now I must confess I could use some rest I can't run at this pace very long Yes, it's quite insane I think it hurts my brain But then it Whitecaps on the ocean And I'm watching for water spouts It's time to close the shutters It's time to go inside In a week I'll be in Gay Perry That's a mighty long airplane ride And now I'm
I've just had to I've just had to ask John politely to uh, to, to stop because we're we're in danger of him telling me good stories <laughs> that aren't going to make it into the into the final edit. Um, so I, I've, I've got to put something right. I I, um, I think I called it AI A one A stupidly, but at least I got he did say gay parody, not Paris. But you were saying so. Just, what, what were you starting to say? Your first solo trip to Paris as a in the in man. the nineties. Oh, um, in the nineties. Okay. Yeah. You'd never been before. No. Oh, okay. And uh, so when I, I I went by myself, I got a around the world ticket, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and sort of Paris was one of those places and that I really wanted to go to. And he mentions Paris a lot in a lot of his different music as mm-hmm. well, Jimmy Buffett, and uh, it's one of his go-to places. And one of the memories that sticks with me on that trip at Charles de Gaulle Airport, which uh, was a pretty old, dilapidated airport. Yeah, it's all changed now. And um, yeah, needed to, yeah. didn't it? Um, and I remember as I was sitting... Um, for whatever reason, uh, sort of notice looking a Qantas flight had just come come in, and walking down there was Tom Petty, right, and uh, and with all his entourage and and so clearly they were all up the front of the Qantas plane yeah. coming across from America and yeah. carrying their guitars, yeah, and, yep. and as I sit here looking at your uh, amazing groups of guitars. <laughs> um, <laughs> It it was one of those things that really was, yeah. It was one you know you get those little moments sure. sometimes yeah. at airports yeah. and yeah. and you see people and the whole history of Americans wanting to fly Qantas because they feel it was the safest airline. Is that right? Is, is, mm. is that true? Is that so? So people like Tom Petty would would actively choose to fly with Qantas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was a little bit of a, an interesting one on that trip to Paris. Did he was um, was he close to making your list at all, Tom Petty? He was. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was probably not as attached to, and apart from that little side story, yeah. Um, there hasn't been much of his music, even though some of his later videos. Um, music videos and I love watching music videos in studio. Yes. They're um it, it, they're quite amazing. Do have you found that? Where, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. You mean like the the ones where, where you mean the ones that are they're designed that like they get them in for a session in a studio. Yes. So the sound quality is amazing. Yeah. Obviously. Because and the, the interaction. And the interaction with the band. It's, it's intimate. Yeah. You know, they can they they yeah. Um I mean, you know, it's not about me. But I, I, I can think of, I can think of a few where, you know, they're almost, um, it's almost more enjoyable than, than listening to the record because uh, you're seeing a live performance, but in a wonderfully uh, mixed uh, situation, and you see the interplay. They, they're looking in each other's eyes mm. as they play, and so, the focus on the lyrics, yeah, and, and each part they're playing, yeah. Who, 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 apart from Tom Petty, is there any others that you recommend? Well, I was, yeah, I was just watching uh, and um, uh, his English artist, and I've just got a blank on his name at the moment. Uh, a bit very big, very big uh, artist. Uh, look, well, he is now George Ezra. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's done a, a lot of videos in the studio of his songs. Yeah. And if you're just listening to the album or, or hearing it on, um, on the radio, yeah. uh, it, it just gives you a different perspective yeah. Yep. of yep. the song. And, and it was interesting sort of looking at the multiple amount of guitars yeah. that he uses in each of the different songs. Yeah. Even yeah. though I have got no musical talent at all. Well, I was going to ask you about that. You said you sing a lot. Is, that, is, is your singing strictly for solo uh, oh, consumption? Yes. Yeah, because otherwise you'd be making people quite sick and unwell. So <laughs> really? I'm can you, very can... toned deaf. And, is, that, and, is that right? And even though, which it was very interesting uh, listening to Matt's yeah. um, interview because um, there's some things that we really parallel with. Yeah. That <laughs> deviate <laughs> dramatically in that he had yeah. the talent, yeah. and I I did music at school as well, and uh, yeah. but I played the timpani. Oh, did you? <laughs> so you good rhythm. Well, sort of yes uh, and no, yeah. and and yeah. again the history was the thing that fascinated me most yep. about yep. music was musical history. Sure, uh, but I really yeah never had any talent in that area. Yeah, that always strikes me. I mean, there's a lot of thought that says that that's. No, that's rubbish. Anyone can learn to, you know. It's a bit like, you know, certain people say that everyone can draw, everyone can paint. Mm. You just need to, and I, I hold that that's impossible. I, I cannot draw or paint. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned man, and we're talking about our friend Matt Maiden, and and he is, you know, a, a brilliant musician and plays, you know, semi. Let's I don't like to call it semi professional level, let's say, but it's a, at a very high level in an orchestra on the bassoon. I don't know if he can sing. Uh, Matt, Matt, Matt will be listening to this and he'll probably okay, I'll sod him obviously but I don't think I've ever heard him sing and I think there's a difference as well um, you know because your voice is an instrument and maybe you know some people are brilliant at uh, strumming something or blowing into something but um, I'll tell you one John Deacon bass player in Queen amazing musician uh, was they were very careful to uh, allegedly and sorry John if you're listening to, to always have his microphone turned off on stage I think so. You know, yeah, interesting. Um, all right, but okay. Let, let me let me segue because there's there's a bit I wanted to just just hammer out. There's a lot I wanted to hammer out before we get into your uh, careers. So why did you why did you why did you move around such a lot? You'd so you your mum lived till she was over a hundred. Mm-hmm. She had five children. Your father died at seventy eight. Was a carpenter and builder. But um, I get the sense that you you moved around an awful lot growing up. What, a lot. What, uh, what was that? Why was that? Um, it started back. Well, pretty well. Probably the moving started back when I was five years old. Yeah. Uh, I was born in Toowoomba in Queensland, mm-hmm. which is a bit inland mm-hmm. in Queensland, and uh, can be quite damp at different times of Just the pretty, year. Yep. And. I had asthma quite bad, so it's a little uh, bit similar yeah, to Matt in yes, that, yes. In that uh, quite bad uh, young and then eventually grew out out of it in late teens. Yeah. Oh, I took uh, to then, though. It took to late teens. Mm, but, uh, yeah, okay. so similar sort of like medications to address the attacks. And um, uh, so we then moved and then it started a whole process of lots of different movements. So right. then I think they had their own home in Toowoomba and then throughout my growing up, 
they had they moved for whatever reasons, mm. whether that was for work um, or just on the road. Are you, are you not sure? Are you, are you... Not 100% sure. Huh. Um, I, I didn't over-inquire and yeah. hadn't sort of been filled in, apart from a lot of it is situational, as it can be. Um, and so we moved up to Budrum Mountains, which was where my one remaining grandparent who was still alive uh, my father's mother, mm-hmm. which didn't really have too much to do with. Mm-hmm. So we're there for a few years. Where was that now? Bud, Budrum. Budrum Mountains, which is on the Sunshine Coast oh, in okay. Queensland. Okay. Yep, beautiful. So up on the hills overlooking Gorgeous. Maroochee um, Door and Mooloolaba. Yeah, beautiful. And there. Yeah, very pretty. Uh, there for only a few years. Then we went down to Mafra, which is near Sale. You haven't <laughs> done this. sail races? Yeah, I've done sail races. I'm yeah. smiling because... Again, I just got a. I've lived in this beautiful country for two decades, and Australians will will throw these names at you. Yes, and it sounds like you're just making them up. Like, you know, like that, that wasn't a particularly bad one. But there's there's all this Alula Bar and Umba yes. Bar, and, and and you say really, you know, and they, and and you always present them to pommies or whatever yeah. as if we should know exactly where you mean. And it's a big country. It's a big it? country. Yeah. But I know so it's 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 a fair way off to the um east of, of Melbourne. Yes. Um, it's about as far east as I've worked in terms of racing. But um okay, so you moved I mean that's a hell of a move from to, to and you're you're the youngest of five children. Yeah. So you you and you this is this is the thing. I would have thought a carpenter and builder I know a carpenter and builder. There's work everywhere for a, usually. Yes. You know, I mean, carpenter builder. That's that right there. That's 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 two trades or a trade that will get you work anyway. So it seems like there's something else at play. Yeah, and look, I, I'm not sure of of a lot of of other reasons for it. Well, especially mm. when the youngest in the family. Okay. Um, I know then. When we went to Mafra, which was only meant to be temporary on the way to Melbourne, yep. and that ended up being for four years. So I had spent probably most of my, well, four years of primary school mm. there. Learned a few little lessons in life that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, and Such as? Uh, stealing a pocket knife from Coles. <laughs> who the manager of the store happened to live next door to us. Oh, boy. Um, and being caught for that, um, being also then going out to, they had the circus come to town. Yeah. And I showed a bit of initiative and got a job that handing out pamphlets, which would have got me free entry. Sure. Um and I came home quite proud to then tell my mother that that I'd I'd done this and yeah. and then got into a lot of trouble because they were planning on taking me there. Oh. And in punishment, weird as it all is, good Lord. I didn't get to go. Oh my goodness. To the circus. You got punished <laughs> for taking initiative, which is a very interesting thing. That for sounds later unfair. In life. That I've got I've got a bit of a I've always felt it unfair and well, look, I, I, I think everyone listening... I've since forgiven them. <laughs> yeah, you've got past it now, have you? That does seem remarkably unfair. I'm going to teach you a lesson for showing initiative and going and working to, by, by taking away the thing we were planning to do, which was to be going to the place where you're... 
working. Yeah. Yeah. And so lots of things. Just like tough. I think a lot of people. Was she doling out the, was mum doling out the punishment normally? Was she there? A little bit of both. Mm. And that's sort of like you would, um, then when you get in trouble, um, my mother who, who passed away only sort of in the last three years, wow. uh, just up at Kensington Grange right. in Leopold. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, ended up spending the last uh, years uh, Gosh, up really? to in, over in 100. Le- in Leopold, okay, right. Um, and that's because one of my sisters uh, lives um, in, well, had been Wallington and in that area there. Yes. Um, What's your sister's name? Uh, Jeanette. Jeanette. Yeah. Hi, Jeanette, if you're listening. Yes. <laughs> See you around now, hopefully. So they're not too far away from Okay. Me. Does she know yeah. you're down today? You get... no. no. Okay. No, it's... Um, as being the youngest and being the youngest by a lot... Oh, okay. You probably... And that sort of comes to be a bit of a trait... Sure. ...for later in life is you... you even though you have lots of... Um, interaction with other people you're probably a little bit of a loner right and i wondered in doing that it only sort of dawned on me in in going through this exercise of being uh, lost in space (laughs) is um uh, whether it's self-protection whether a little bit of time through schooling with a bit of uh, bullying bullying. yep um even though that went on once we moved to Melbourne, um, I was a very late developer. I was going to, I remember sp- speaking to you, I mean, because mm. John, what are you, 6'2", 6'3"? 6'3", But yeah. you had a spurt, right? You, you, yeah. You, you weren't always... Probably around 16 right. to 17. Right, right, yeah. right. And you, and you took up boxing later. That, that you weren't boxing uh, from... Boxing a... from about 13, 14. Right. In response to bullying? Um, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, a little bit... There was a boxing club at Sandringham. Yep, and um, got oh. involved with that, and Good and because I started off fighting as mm. uh, in light flyweight, oh, and then yeah. finished <laughs> my last uh, boxing <laughs> match as a light heavyweight. That's amazing. Um, uh, how many years in between those two? Uh, in between those two, that would have been when I was thirteen, going on fourteen. Yeah, through to federal police, so I would have been. Late twenties, thirty right. would have been about the last. So you had a t- that. I imagine then you had a ton of fights, a lot of a lot of amateur fights. Not a lot yeah. amateur fights. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother did really well, both amateur and and professionals, right. and he followed me down after I went there. But oh. um, but some weird stories. The boxing is an interesting one because when you started. Off this talking, mm. um, mentioned how you would describe your personality. Sure. Um, my biggest problem was I was quite, yeah, and people would say, and, and uh, you were admired for being quite talented as a boxer, mm-hmm. um, but I never really had the killer instinct. Okay. And it was a dead giveaway when yeah. maybe of my future career that I didn't know about at yes. that time was um, I'd knock someone down and I'd be, you know, you'd be all like typical boxers, you know, sort yeah. of uh, prancing around. Yeah. And, yeah. But I'd be always looking over to see how, how they were. Right. And then I'd be checking as you get back up and you'd have to touch gloves to restart sure. again. Yeah. Or if it didn't get restarted because it was called off from a, from a knockout is um, my greater concern was 
their welfare. The welfare, yeah, sure. And sometimes you, the person you were fighting, which was never a good thing in a way in in um, boxing or martial arts, to get to know them too well, mm. <laughs> because then you you would want to put on a good show. Yeah. That you felt they deserved to win more for their own well-being wow. yeah. than your no, own. Yeah, I so it. I get it. But did you? Um, I get exactly what you're saying. But was there? <clears throat> but but in the moments before, you know, you knock someone down or knock them out. Were did, were you able to channel any kind of anger or, or rage or anything? Or it was just it was a scientific. It was a sign. I, I have to hit them there and there and there to score points or to knock them down. You never you never got that kind of controlled fury that some I mean like, you know think of Mike Tyson mm. you know some fighters clearly can just flick a switch and 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 let it all go uh, but you were you were more of a scientific sort of uh, you and also were you okay I'm sorry I hit you so hard kind of thing yeah you were never going to be a, a, a killer of instinct so. no I disappoint the trainers yeah. Yeah, right, right. That would say, John, they'd, please. They'd all been, yeah. um, oh. and and most of the people in the audience too. Everyone was sort right. of pumping your tyres up all the time. Sure. And they felt incredibly let down. Yes. Because it's not the sort of sport people go to no. to see a nice guy. It's a blood sport. I mean, it is what it is, right? They want to see, they want to see blood. I mean, people, yeah. I mean, okay, some people appreciate the art of boxing, but most people want to see another person put on the seat of their pants yeah. don't they and, and they've it, obviously backed you as well oh you mean financially like but, i, I but, assume yeah. financially mm-hmm. but it's probably not as much in amateur fighting sure. but everyone sort of likes to pick the winner sure realizing that in that process of what the sport for um because you've got to wonder now when you think of the damage to people in long term oh sure sure there's um but but it's hard. But to... all sports are the same. Like the one we, right. we both oh, attend yeah. all the time. Boy, the risks. I mean, my goodness, they're mm. tough. They're tough as well. I mean, tough in a obviously head injuries, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But 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 also all the rest of it. You know, there's there's not so many boxers that uh, end up with broken legs. You know. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, youngest of five. What what are the gaps in ages between you and your your four siblings? What or what uh, were they? Uh, from starting from myself up, my um, I have a brother David. Um, he was uh, four years mm-hmm. older, another two years. He to, was the, he was the boxer. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 the other one. Uh, David was the one who died when he was twenty one. Yeah. Um, Alan uh, was another two years older okay. than David. Yep. Uh, Diane, uh, a sister who passed away recently with yeah. the pancreatic cancer, uh, and then. Jeanette, who was then called Gay, where it was a bit of a funny family thing, we we end up changing our names from what we were given when we were born. Like I was a, a Gregory John, oh, and okay. uh, but everyone had called me John, but uh, yeah, to get that changed, and yeah. and Jeanette was called Gay Jeanette, right, and my mother was Gladys Jean, and she was always Jean, right. So that's, that's there's, there's a bit of an English history of that of. The- um, I think, especially in the in the upper classes of of, of you know being christened, you know, A B, and then the surname C, but they get mm. called by by B. Um, okay, so and Jeanette's uh, or gay Jeanette is, yes. is the one that lives in Wellington. Yes, right. Gotcha. Okay, so bit of a mystery. This is always just very interesting to me. Like 
one of the reasons, as you know, that, that I wanted to do this was because when, when people die, their stories are gone with them, you know, or, or, or certainly their voices and telling their stories and what we have left are our memories of the stories yes. they tell. Um, and therefore, people like my father, you know, my mum and my dad and, 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 and my friends, yourself, you know. Do you, did you have the sort of relationship? You, you see, your father died from mesothelioma. Yes. Which obviously for a builder, carpenter builder of his age, of course he had asbestos exposure. He was right in the thick of all of that yes. nonsense. Um, he died at 78. Um, did you have the sort of relationship where you could have open and frank discussions or was it one of those more buttoned up, you know, keep your feelings to yourself kind of thing? We probably had quite a good relationship yeah. because I worked a lot of school holidays with him as yeah. a as a labourer yeah. um, on a lot of his different building sites, and and some of those that I worked on, it was little surprise that the amount of asbestos. Of, <sighs> the building company he worked for did a lot of big renovations yeah. uh, for the navy, and and obviously uh, all the ships were all coated all the pipes with <sighs> with asbestos, yes. and that flowed on to their. Um, to on land yes. for uh, all their buildings. Um, and a lot of the other jobs were just, I can remember, pulling down buildings if the um, yeah. roof sheeting was all asbestos yeah, and good the dust everywhere. And yeah. so um, no problems for me, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah, um, yeah, thank but, uh, but clearly it, it uh, <coughs> affected Dad. Was he a smoker as well? Uh, he had been a smoker, yeah. especially in the war. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which was you know common. It was sort of issued, yep. and that to course, the soldiers. Of course, and actually, can I? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think I think it really is an addendum to the last question about how you uh, communicated and what stories he may or may not have told. But you know, again, I'm I'm fascinated as as a lot of us are. I think by by, by World War Two in particular. Yes, you know, sort of loomed over even me growing up. You know, uh, um, just because. Every, you know, you knew if you went to a hospital, you know, when I started working as a junior doctor, if you met any retired person, they were more likely than not to have served in World War Two. It was mm. just everywhere and the, 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 you know, the East End of London being bombed and all the rest of it. So he was in the Middle East. So does that mean under under Monty and, and, and the, uh, with rat, the desert rats yeah, and things? He's one of the rats of Tobruk. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So well, he was in Signals Corps. Yes. Uh and then had to come home early from, uh, I think, Duodenal ulcer, which right. was not, I think, uncommon uh, because of the amount of sand and... Bad diet. Uh, bad diet. Um, stress. My stress goodness. as well. I think stress would have been a big part of it. Gee. Never, I cannot ever recall any discussions about really? the wartime. Gosh. Didn't talk to him about it at all. No. And even though he was he was very good to work with, um, and probably the main things you remember was he was he was probably my height, but over yeah. time had shrunk a little bit. Right, but he was a huge man in then in, in the in in the in wartime. I mean, yes, gosh, I mean six so six three ish or something. Six, yeah, I, I would, and, and probably ended up. Yeah, because he was still probably went down to about five eleven, six foot. Yeah, whether that right. be part of the aging process sure. or where he started. Sure. Um, so he then came back before the end of the Second World War. But I, again, 
um, I nearly feel guilty for not uh, no, no, no. checking and over my life of being more interested. Maybe it was just a family you didn't talk about the past a lot. Of course. In. And being the youngest, you felt a little bit separated from it. Um, But he was always really good to work with. Um, Probably when you are seeking back to the Mafra thing and what, and so who Mm. dished out the punishment. Mum was very much good at dobbing you in. Oh, wait till your father gets home. Come home, all oh, happy to be home. Gosh, yep, yep. And yep. then uh, you'd be uh, you'd be in strife for something, and he'd have oh. to uh, get the shaving strap out or belt and yeah. give you a belting, yeah. where he had no direct involvement with yeah. what you may have done wrong. Yeah. He was just issuing it out. Don't ever do that again. And fundamentally, don't upset your mother again. Yeah, you've just you've just it's, absolutely hit the nail on the head. And it's almost a... Uh, I think the, the, the image you just described of the father coming home from work after God knows how tired and this and that, you know, with no, beef, no personal beef with any of, of his children... But that thing, the, the belt has to come out or yeah. something. You know, it's, it's, I think it was, I thought it seems like it was the norm, you know, uh, for a while. But, and, and the, the prism that, that you, not prison, prism that you uh, sort of see that scene changes as you get older, right? Mm. When you're a kid, it's just like, oh, God, got a whack from dad. And oh, when you're five years old, now you think, oh, God, it'd be horrible to come in from work and want to give you, maybe get kids a hug or something or mm. how did your school day go? But no, you've got to get a belt out and whack them. Yeah. Tough. We had one light moment in it was, and it probably was the start of, um, of a bit of an athletic career. Right. <laughs> was as he was trying to whack me <laughs> yeah, around yeah. my lower legs, I jumped. Oh, He right. missed and hit himself. <laughs> And it was the the funny thing about it was Boy. he was very tempted, obviously, to laugh with it. Right, 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 right. But it right, went right. the other way, being oh, more furious. Right. Oh. So I learned to just cop it. But I didn't get it too often, so I can't complain too much. And did you get it at school? Were you, you were caned at school and all that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like I can probably. Uh, that was another one that was. Um, that was down in Mafra as well that I remember was um, being called out by um, the headmaster because I'd um, I'd written a note to a girl. I think this was in probably about grade three. Yeah. Um, where uh, it was obviously meant to be uh, a boy's uh, interest even at that age. I'm attracted to you. Yeah. And and I'd mentioned something about her nice bum. <laughs> and uh, I remember the male oh, principal, dear. like yeah. lots of things you just can't remember from those sure, years, but sure. some things stick with you uh-huh. as if they were yesterday. Do you remember his name, the principal? No. Can't remember. But I can nearly see the situation where he had me out and, and, and again, I was a slow learner on denying things and, sure. and having the evidence against you. And then mm-hmm. he, he had the note. And um, and he's going, what's this word? And I go, oh, I, I don't know, I don't know. And that's when he gave me a whack. He goes, that's what it, uh, it On is. The bum. And, right. and and I can remember he sort of had a smirk. He was really trying to be serious, but he actually thought it was quite amusing. That's right, yeah. yeah. 
So it's funny if you you look back and you think um, that was sort of uh, interesting to see those attractions even at that age. That's right. And also that some things just stick in your head for, for some reason. But you're the sort of person I think we're already getting that uh, pays attention and, 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 and you know, doesn't walk through life with, with the blinkers on to use a very crude horse analogy. You know, yes. you, you learn your lessons from life, right? You, you know. It's true. And I, I think you learned, learned a few things from that, that time. And, and I assume it is a very important learning period, mm. those early years in mm. primary school. Mm. Um, really do set you up for some lessons in life yep. before you've actually matured yourself. So, yeah. And yeah. you sort of hope that, I mean, clearly, <clears throat> and thankfully, times have moved on from the canes and all the rest of it, but mm. you do hope that those important lessons are still being uh, impressed upon young minds, albeit not with corporal punishment, you know, <laughs> these days. Um, all right, look, just as I predicted, uh, song two, we're almost at an hour. We better, we've, <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry, it always happens. Wow. Um, trust me, I'm, I know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, all right, two, Ganga Jang, 1985 album. Love the whole album, very Australian. I mean, just the word Ganga Jang. Mm. Is that an original word or is that just made up? I think it was made up. I, I'm not 100% sure of that history. Some mm. very talented musicians in that band. I think I, – I'll just finish what you said, sorry. Very much surfing culture, the song is Ambulance Men. The irony of society's priorities and how Ambulance was regarded in the 1980s inspired me to do something about it. I'll just pause there because they, just, just as an um, observation – I, I feel like there was an incredible, I, I know actually that there was an incredible music scene, the, the, the sort of classic, uh, what was it the, the sticky carpet, the pub rock mm. scene yes. of the 70s and 80s. But relatively few of these bands made it overseas, I think. Mm. You know, and I, I always pick up this kind of, uh, this great love and appreci- love for appreciation of some of these amazing bands around yes. in those days and, and this appears to be one of them um, very much surfing culture very Australian yes that kind of thing um, but but the reason you picked this seems to be because like most of your choice it resonates with a, a part a time in your life a part of your life so we're gonna we're obviously gonna loop back to the the stuff that came before the paramedicine yes <laughs> but this one you, you've you've gone you've jumped ahead in your career why is that um, yeah, I, I probably on reflection, I should have put put it a little bit later in the list, but it, it sort of jumped out at me that did cover a lot of things yeah. and, and the, the surfing culture being one of them, yeah. which, um, without, again, digressing too, too far, um, made a big difference to me, a little bit similar to Matt's sort of getting over his asthma. Yeah. Surfing made a huge difference to mine with the breathing, yeah. whether it's sheer coincidence or whether it was just the amount of work you had to do, oh, yeah. uh, getting dragged under big waves and where, where you know, holding surfing? your breath. Are we um, off the Mornington Peninsula or something? Mornington <coughs> Peninsula, but also uh, I loved it over here on, on oh. the West Coast as well. Oh, so, so you did come all the way around and did the trips yeah, and all that? always loved uh, Torquay, Jan Juck especially. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, Bells had some really interesting, challenging days at Bells and Winky. What sort of what sort of years are we talking about? Uh, 70s, 80s. 
nineties, really, the, right the, up to today. To today, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, not but quite today. But, yeah, pretty much. I've, oh no, that's not true. Actually, is it? Because there was the Hawaiian fellow that came over in the twenties or whatever. But but yeah. sound, but probably the boom of the the Rip Curl yep. kind of situation the, um, with bells and it becoming an industry. Is that true yes. to say the style yeah. of all of that? Very much so. And yeah. oh, look, even just a, as a um, relating to the racing industry. Yeah. Um, his name, uh, Brian Singer, singer of the starter Rip Curl. Yeah. Um, he's very big on horse ownership and oh. in shares with Lloyd Williams. Okay. So a lot of their a lot of their um, big inputs. Uh, he's part of that group uh, along with Gadinsky and mm-hmm. um, Phil Merton uh, from Builder from Pro Build, mm-hmm. and there's there's a group of them that. Um, Buy some of these big English and German and French stayers. You need deep pockets, don't you? Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> All right, but but let, back to you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the horse racing industry later, later on, I'm sure. Uh, but 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 I, I wanted to drill into this um, uh, this this comment about um, how the ambulance was regarded in the 1980s, and, and get you to expand on what what you mean by that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really interesting song and I assume they wrote it for that very reason Mm -hmm. of the contradictions and when you listen to the lyrics of it of what the priorities of the town are Mm. like a a, a new sporting complex and you know the best of them all um, yet we've got ambulance men and for and all that's changed obviously since you came to Australia, but in mm. those days in New South Wales, especially in some of those New South Wales country towns, yep. some of them haven't changed a lot right. from the however long, you yeah. know, from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. In the provision of, of, of pre-hospital care, you mean? That's changed, but the culture of the town, mm. um, the especially the return servicemen's clubs. Sure, yep. So there's... It's a funny culture in that, well, the picture being in that song is is they used to sell what they call lucky envelopes. Hmm. So in between doing jobs, they had to raise a lot of their money in New South Wales for the New South Wales Ambulance Service yep. by setting up little stalls in the main street of town, selling these lucky envelopes where you might get a win. and Yeah get sponsored prizes or mm-hmm. money back for it and that that was seen by society to be acceptable because mm. the ambulance service was only thought of when it was needed. Right. A little bit like it hasn't changed now. Look sure. at all the volunteers out fighting the fires at the That's moment right. who That's are not right. doing their normal jobs, yes, who yes, are risking yes. their mm. lives mm. and... It was in those days. It was all men. There was yeah. no female ambulance officers. Yeah, okay. And that's when it was. Yeah, you know, that's where the name came from. The ambulance drivers, mm. and sometimes it was seen. Every all people in the ambulance industry before we became paramedics in the two yeah. thousands on. Yeah. Is um, ambulance driver to someone in the public was meant to have been an emphasis that was more skill in driving the ambulance than there okay. was of yep. being an ambulance yep. attendant. Yep. So, but we'd all take it as an insult 
yeah. because we'd believe we gave so much more yeah. than just driving an ambulance. Yeah. That was a means yeah. to an end. Yeah, it's almost it's it's uh, it's hung around a, a bit, isn't it? But it's almost a pejorative to say uh, ambo or you know. Yeah, uh, it's a bit like. You know, some people still, usually surgeons, insist on calling emergency departments CAS, you know? Yes. And, you know, you know some people take more offence than others. And, but, but, but the um, giving away in the, in the word is the underlying attitude towards that thing, isn't, isn't it? You know, stretcher True. bearer, you know, yes. ambulance driver. Just not 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 somebody who's a professional with 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 life saving skills and, and 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 you know, of course, things have moved on. But you know, so even I'm sure even in those days there was, yeah, there was um there would have been defibrillators. Um, uh, presumably, no, they weren't on that. Oh, no. okay. In the eighties, they weren't. Uh, just starting just to starting come in. in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was a a big change. Yeah, okay. Um, there's a lot of like like you're alluding to in in the medical profession, there's all these little turf areas yep. and people will personalise professions yep. as in, I wouldn't give that idiot that yeah. drug or that piece of oh, equipment yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Not they're to, idiots. Not, they're not to be trusted with They're not with to be that. trusted yeah, with sure, anything. Sure. Yet you trust them with going out yeah. from newborn babies to of course. Um, to a 100-year-old dying. Yeah. And somehow that person got miraculously from their home, from being dragged out of the water on a beach yep. to falling down a cliff. Yeah. They somehow miraculously got yeah. into that casualty That's right. department. That's right. And yet no one wanted to know about it. And, and I thought that song was sort of pivotal to like, standing and being elected as the union secretary right. and pushing the whole thing that that was pre-advanced life support pre the university training um so what what year did you get elected secretary uh 1990 yeah was that, that was victoria or in victoria yeah, it was victoria yeah yeah, yeah. um and and um yeah I'm, I'm i'm just the question is as it's appeared i know the answer really but there's this just to an outside to a to, to this, well, I'm, I'm still an outsider, but this crazy sort of division of states and territories in Australia, mm. you know, this kind of, you talk about, and it, it, the, the thing that you were saying before, we know it's often born out of insecurity, okay? If someone's dismissively referring to uh, a professional colleague as, as, as this or that, and, you, you know, they, they're not to be trusted carrying, insert name of drug that, of course, they can carry, Um then that speaks to that individual's insecurity. We know that. Yes. Or burnout or whatever they're going through in their life. But this kind of uh, interstate turf war that seems to drag on in everything. Everything. I mean, don't we just need to get 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 rid of... This is me and John Point, Australia's uh, <laughs> um, geography and politics to rights now. This this federal versus bloody state thing, it just seems to get in the way, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Uh, I mean, as a, as a previous, well, I'm not talking about your role on the roads now, I'm talking more the, if we can call it political side, I suppose, yes. if that's true, if that's okay to say, of the union side of it. Did that get in the way then? Wouldn't it have been better to have just a national paramedics 
I mean, maybe there is, but a national paramedics association rather than state-based? And there was very much that desire. And, and, and again, through that period, we ended up getting what we call the National Council of Ambulance Unions, okay. which there's all different unions represent yeah. um, ambulance employees right across the country, like in Northern Territory and Western Australia is still St John's oh. that had the contract to provide ambulance services. Lovely. For certain areas, okay. uh, right through the Northern Territory, but in Western Australia, principally the main centres, and then it's a bit of a free-for-all in that type of pre-hospital care, inter-hospital transfer roles in yeah. Western Australia. Uh, South Australia's got um, their own state, yeah, one, but it used to be St John's as well. Uh. Queensland's got their own, which yep. covers the whole state. Uh, when I started in the union, we had 17 different ambulance services in Victoria. Really? It was, and I guess it's a long story on how I got to be standing. I can imagine. And became can... a local rep. Yeah. You know, it was a little bit like, you know, the classical thing. You don't take the step forward for it. Everyone takes Everyone's the step down, back. Yeah, everyone else steps back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure, yeah, but I'm sure that goes back to what I was saying, very, the very first question about how you're viewed by the people. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't have been a Jimmy Hoffa style uh, <laughs> knowing you, you know, even for the last couple of years. I can imagine your style, um, which would not have been to, to be, you know, like, yeah, the Jimmy Hoffa style. It would not have been that. No. It was look. It was more a consensus. It was, in a way, you. It's like we're just touching on a little bit about how other people are perceived and how they'd like sure. to be perceived. Sure. For whatever reason, a lot of other ambulance employees, and that was as I travelled around, we ended up amalgamating with a bigger union, which we've just separated from and created a unique standalone ambulance union at the moment, oh. which is probably a world first, or we'd probably be in the world, probably the biggest single ambulance union uh, we just created this year uh, in it's between right. race meetings. So. It's all, in all that spare time that you've got. <laughs> and, um, it's, um, and I guess what I was sort of getting to there was people looked at myself and I take that as a compliment as well as a burden, was they were proud that you were representing them mm. um, because they could see you on television and you were a reasonable person, like yep. you weren't a Jimmy Hoffa. You were, you were a reasonable person who was trying to put forward good sound arguments, mm. um, which I'd learnt a, a lot from from. The other career I'd had, which mm -hmm. sort of haven't really mm -hmm. touched on mm -hmm. that much yet, but it was that taught me a lot in political skills. Right. But I think for whether it's someone in Darwin or whether it was someone in Perth or mm. Brisbane, mm. they saw you and they could relate to you mm. and saying, well, we're not those dumb stretcher bearers yep. or ambulance yep. drivers. Yep. He's someone who's presenting us as being quite professional who have been underestimated for a long time. Yep. And, and I think it was a very privileged time in those 90s to be involved in a major change for how then ambulance officers became paramedics to then 
played a significant part in a state government being elected mm. with the Andrews government's first election. Mm. Okay. Can be a double-edged sword getting involved in politics, mm. but we have nothing in regards to health funding without the ability to play politics. No, that's right. Well said. Okay, we've got to listen to this song. <laughs> okay, gang is Hope it's not a letdown. <laughs> So yeah, we just John and I were just discussing, I, I guess how we hear songs and things. But 
just got to get rid of that hum. Um, but yeah, very Australian sounding. And yeah, that this is Australia, of course. That's that that's that brilliant song by by the same band, like Gangy Jan, Gang Jang. Um, all right. What's number three? Oh yeah, okay, all right. Well, so look, I, I'm, I'm, there's no there's no way of uh, uh, better. Well, there's no better way of looping into some of the stuff that we've hinted at. I'm literally on the edge of my seat. Everyone's everyone's on the edge of their seat. Um, so. How did you? So okay, so you ended up finishing high school in Melbourne. So you've heard by now. You've 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 shot up. You're six foot three. Um, you're you're running, boxing, mm-hmm. doing that. You're, you're pretty uh, sporty to say the very least. You've been labouring, so I imagine that that's that's helped you with your strength as mm-hmm. well as your fitness. Tough stuff. Um, What's well, a builder's labour and a brick lad with dad or? Uh, no, no, bricklaying was uh, with a mate down uh, on the Mornington Peninsula around Flinders Way. Okay. Um, and I never quite had the talent. but I was going to say, did you get it? Because it's tough, right? It is tough. Like, I started – what they had in bricklaying, which was different to plumbing, electrical, carpentry, yeah. was you were able to be like what they called an improver. Mm. So you would uh, you'd have to be there mixing the mortar, loading all the bricks up, loading your lines, putting up scaffolding. Yep. Then once you'd managed to get enough bricks up on the scaffold or enough bricks on down for foundations, uh, you'd got enough mud on all the boards for the for the qualified bricklayers. Mud being the the cement. The, yeah, the the mortar. Mortar, for, sorry, for yep, going yep, yep, in yep. between all the yep. bricks and. Um, you then had the chance to then jump up and start to do some of the runs along the lines, whether that was with big Besser blocks or yep. with normal size bricks, yep. um, and then start to learn a little bit about the trade. Yep. You never went to school. Um, True You never did a proper apprenticeship. You but just what they the call was an improver. improver. So basically it was a smart way from the boss of the brickies to get the maximum amount out of you sure. so that if you worked, your, it was an encouragement to really work hard to sure. get all the other brickies lined up, then you could have a bit of play around. But yep. I never quite got into it. But, it's, was, but it, it's, if everyone can just think about what it takes to, 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 to build, let's just say just to build a brick wall, to forget about yes. a house, that, you know, the pressure to build some, a dwelling for a person to live in. Yeah. But to build a brick wall, to not have it, you know, to, to, to have it completely, you know, uh, not just flat, but, um, you know, what's the word I'm going to give us? You know, uh, parallel to the ground. Yes. Or, or on a slope and have it not parallel to the ground and have it uh, plumb, you know. Yep. Just, it just beggars belief. I, I, I can tell you right now, if you gave me a whole load of bricks and mortar, the thing that I would end up with would, would resemble modern art. It wouldn't be uh, anything approaching a wall, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, an art form as well as a trade, I, I think. Absolutely. Look, it's dying off a lot now, right? Um, because of um, prefab concrete slab sure. type building. Sure. Um, a lot of the cladding, which has become a controversial thing because of its flammability yeah, fire and, in and big, in yeah. obviously from the UK, yeah, yeah. with uh, that's what probably highlighted yeah. Um, yeah. around the world the yeah. dangers that exist. Terrible. Um, and that's because see, all of those big buildings, um, 
it's just it's a little bit like your your perpendicular or your perp joint, mm. the one that you laver up with your um, with your your mud, your mortar yep. on it to yep. then put in. Like I was always told, that was never structural. That was just to keep the bricks apart mm. to allow the movement, mm. because then the whole structure of the house was either as a support mm. to the rest of the house, mm. and it's that analogy in life, isn't it? Yeah, good foundation. You've got a shaky life if you don't have good foundations yep. to build it on. Yep. yep. And um, so it was a a philosophical education, but Kevin Brown was the guy I worked with, and Kevin was really talented mm. he was the bricklayer mm. so i worked with with him and he would sort of teach me a bit more as i worked for other companies and it was a hard yakker as i would say yeah, in yeah. the building trade yeah. probably still it no doubt still no is doubt. but has always been really a hard dangerous job absolutely and um was, Kev so, was kevin a little bit older than you a uh, little bit older but roughly the same age yeah. uh, another surfer um was a local down at flinders mm. um and yeah he he was he was very good at doing the job mm. um i was more just a good slogger mm. yeah. and um yep. it you tried your hardest but your heart wasn't in because there's there's a lot more to it than just the physical labour. There is that whole thought process, like you said, everything nice and level and mm. everything structurally right to build on and do that. So, so was there yeah. a, <clears throat> was, was there one of those <clears throat> sort of archetypal forks in the road or you know crossroad moments for you? Very much so. And um, and getting back to my mother, she always had higher hopes for me. In mm. the family, okay. I was the youngest, but like my siblings would probably say, you were probably a little bit more favoured. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> okay. And she had always had these hopes because she was an executive assistant. Yeah. So when um, she was working, uh, she'd be working for the boss of the company, um, and um, she always had these hopes for me. And and hence, sort of like I'd mentioned, I mentioned, I did a uh, it was a then diploma of accountancy through a private. A provider mm. um, by correspondence, so I'd sort of done all the base subjects, and was that to keep mum happy, or was that her suggestion? Uh, or? Her suggestion, um, and to keep her happy, and then, like you say, as that fork in the road, probably found that I didn't think I, I was going to have a career in the building industry. Mm. Um, I'd always wanted, as as a kid, I always wanted to be a doctor. Really? And had always had that desire to... Um, help people. Help people as well as I always had a fascination with uh, why is it so mm -hmm. yep. and would want to understand. Yep. Um, and and, and it's, it's, it's a funny... It's a sort of juxtaposition is the right thing, but you've got... Accounting and business on one side, which yep. is all about counting numbers mm. and making things mm. add up and complying with laws and legislation. Yep. And your desire in medicine where you're constantly learning and evolving and you're mm -hmm. trying to think, why do our bodies work the way they do? <laughs> why do they go wrong? How do you fix them? Yep. How do you it's a it's a different form of circular learning and performance mm -hmm. 
um, which seemed really interesting to me, but also compelling. Okay, so all right, so your mum's got high hopes for you. Um, why wouldn't she jump on the "I want to be a doctor" thing and so, and, and uh, push you to, or not push you towards that, but try and enable you to see that as an option? Probably again. A little bit like Matt in that one there, um, except it's that diversions around uh, year 10, yes. year 9. Making choices about subjects and things. Yeah. And around that time was where I was, everyone else was maturing and growing. Mm. I was still the, quote, you know, sort of cute young guy. Mm. And... It was a bit of a thing at school in the bullying was it was the haves and had nots. Financially? The ones, no, no. Who, um, who'd matured physically oh, or I not. I see. So I see. it was a great thing to dack you at school. Dack being? Uh, pull your pants right. down to expose that yep. you hadn't matured fully yet. Oh, my God. And the embarrassment yeah. and the fear of that. Yeah had me wagging school a fair bit. Oh, boy. Is that right? So I would forge notes because my both parents were working, so I'd be all looking like I was the last to leave the house because they'd already gone to yeah. go to school. Yeah. And so I went through a period there for probably a couple of years, two or three years, oh where um, I managed to just scam it enough so that they weren't made aware of all these absences. So how, how often were you missing school, do you think? Um, probably at least 50% wow. sometimes of the time. But because also I had uh, asthma was a good excuse. Mm. So even in those early days, I wasn't able to do that well in physical education. Because from um, some, you know your breathing wasn't the best, the types of times of year you were more affected sure. with your breathing. So um, just tough. That's tough. Mate. So that sort of caught me in that period where God. I obviously didn't do that well scholastically. So this, so we're talking sort of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yep. These these are important years, right? These are these are when yeah, as you said, I think you were saying basically that that's about then that you make the. The, the commitment if you're going to do med or, you know, you have to choose mm. certain subjects and things. And God damn, that was, oh. And that for two years of that is is forever at that age, right? It's not just, oh, I was bullied for a week or two and it went away. Two years, yeah. that is awful. Absolutely awful. And the boxing helped turn that around. Yeah. Because yeah. from the people who wanted to do that, all of a sudden everyone wanted to be your friend. Sure. So it's funny a little sure. bit, that boxing sure. turned things around. Even though <clears throat> even though the bullies who would do it, it was more, that's just what happened at school. Yes. They still liked you. Mm. So it wasn't as if you were being persecuted. It was more, and it probably on reflecting on it comes back to the sake that a lot of the girls of my classes and things showed a lot of interest in you. Okay. So they were jealous. And you knew where probably. it was all potentially going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you couldn't go there because then you would be discovered that you hadn't started growing pubic I hair see. and things yes, like yes, that. Yes, 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 yeah, at that stage as well. God damn it. So yeah, you had yeah, this yeah. other <coughs> thing yeah. going on yeah, that yeah. you wanted to, as a boy, to take advantage of the interest of the girls, but there yeah. was a limit. 
Got it. To that. So Got that it. was another added layer to yep. probably a reduced friend's social life. Yeah. All the moving meant, and I look back and I think you've let a lot of really close friendships slip. Mm. Because of the constant moves, the yes. situations. Yep. So you probably get to 65 and you sort of um, think you've got a lot of people you know, you've got a lot of people who are really good friends, but you probably have never continued through all of those different stages with a constant mateships. Like I okay. really admire that you've done mm-hmm. and that the whole heliosphere <laughs> thing is is a link to highlight the importance of that and history and spoken word and all those Thank sort you. of things. Yeah, that's, that's, yes, spot on. That is definitely part of it. Um, there's so much in what you just said. Um, one of which, God, I just, I, I share your, um, like, I would have been, you know, the little bit of training and boxing I've done, I never thought like you did, you know, fights, but not fights, but not boxing fights. I would have been like you. I, I would have. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, um, uh, you know, um, if we were, you know, thrashing a team six 0 I'd start to take the foot off the accelerator. You know, um, feel a bit sorry for the other team. That yeah. kind of thing. I feel desperately sorry for uh, the 14, 15 year old John Taplin at this stage. I just feel desperately angry for you and and sorry for you because I, what a lonely and horrible place to be. Um, and and the and the moving around thing. I mean, I mean, obviously you've been settled there uh, for a bit, but the uh, that stability uh, that just that just enables you to to stay friends with people you've known mm. since you're three, four, five years, years old potentially. Um, that that does get taken from you. Uh, even now with 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 you know Skype and everything, we know how hard it is to maintain long distance friendships. So for a for a sort of guy that hadn't quite hit his you know puberty height you know uh, the the the, t- the tight social groups weren't there you were the youngest in the family you know what a desperately lonely place to find yourself in really look on reflection it probably was and then you have your own survival techniques mm. as we employ right through our lives which were. Um, Enjoying your own company mm-hmm. and and probably this exercise mm. and being out on the spaceship by yourself yeah. is not that foreign to me. It's not okay. a scary thing. Okay. Like it's okay. listening to some of the other interviews. Yes. It's, it's sort of some, you see that grasping that concept. Yeah of you're just caught with some memories mm-hmm. and you're just caught with some, you know, as, as in with musical choices and books or films and mm. things like mm. that. Um, but it's fundamentally thrusting you into a situation is can you live with yourself? That's right, yeah. And I guess for as sad as it is, it taught me how to live with myself, mm. albeit that can be <laughs> like any person is there's, there's so much complexity. Well, that is a rabbit hole, human right? Being. That's yeah. a classic rabbit hole. You know that that sort of self, that sense of of loneliness. Um, and but 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 um, I then there's loan. There's there's literally being alone, and then there's that ability or, or tendency sometimes to be alone in a crowd as, as well. Which which people I'm going to guess that you understand that 
because, uh, you know, um, if you have a rich in, you know, and I was, I was going to ask what, what, what was, what were your friends with pets, with books, with music, you know, when you, cause alone means without other people, but there's, then there's train sets, there's Lego or, or, you know, what, there's something, there's a hobby, mm. there's collecting pebbles, whatever it is. Um, but that armor that you build up sometimes puts you in, in a group of people, but completely on your own. Am I right? It Look, it does. And, and, and it's one of those other classical things that we all probably toss around with, and that's you know, the difference between fantasy and reality. Sure. And that sometimes there's a consequence, I guess, mm. of fantasy becoming reality mm. because a human element comes into reality mm-hmm. while fantasy is safe in its own way. Mm. And... So sometimes when you're by yourself, a lot can be thought of as a life of fantasy. And mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. of our, you know, great poets and novelists Absolutely. and musicians and, um, have been able to let their mind run free. So you tap into that wellspring, don't you? Yes. But realising the difference between that and reality. Mm-hmm. Is other people's feelings okay? Yep, that's Does a good that way. Yeah, that's, that's a yeah. good way. Yeah, to define it, without wishing to get too metaphysical. This is this is we're definitely standing on the edge of a <laughs> of a deep and Sorry, complex rabbit hole. I was gonna, uh, you know, you, you heard about or you much much of a believer in them, you know, what's it called self actualization? I don't think, yeah, you know, um, this this um, the power of uh, positive visualization and and then that thing becoming a reality is that something you you believe in or you you know you invest in I, I saw myself in that at the age of 14 having this life and you think that into existence so. look and I think that's it's a really interesting thing because that and I go back to the boxing mm-hmm. was everyone sees themselves as having their arm held up at the sure, end yeah um the whole thing of um for any person who likes knickknacks or connecting things yeah, or, yeah. is you want the trophy at the end yeah. and you fantasized about that. And it's a little bit like touched on briefly about the tall poppy thing as well. Sure. Everyone wants to be that tall poppy. Right. But the fear, well, it's not so much a fear. It's just when you get there mm. and it was like those fights that I should have won. Yeah. Even your opponent knew you should have won. And they were so chuffed at the end to think, and I think maybe they got the drift you went soft on them as well. Mm. And even in the crowd, you could see the disappointment in people's eyes. That left me with that feeling that if you visualise and fantasise about Mm. something, Mm. yes, it may come true. Mm. And and sometimes when they have come true, Mm. they haven't quite met even then your expectation. Yeah, does that? It does. It, it does. It, it, it leaves yeah. me the two point two questions or whatever. There, one, one is this, uh, you know, that, that catchall phrase: "With with uh, great power comes great responsibility." And so, so, you know, and you, as we've heard, you you weren't the one to step back. You step step, you know, you stay where you were, or you step forward. Um, but that's part of emotional development, mature, maturing, or traveling through life. You know, um, the tall poppy. Okay, yeah, there there are different ways to exist as a successful, famous, 
rich, whatever, insert the word. Mm. Uh, you can be a dick about it or you can maintain other people's, as you have, you know, and I can vouch for this, uh, uniformly uh, admired and, and loved man. Um, and, and it could have been the other way, you know. You, 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 you can, uh, oh, that, that idiot, you know, he, he, he did this and that in his life and he got gold medal and, 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 and he thinks he's got, he's got tickets on himself, that, mm. that Australian phrase. Um, but the other thing, um, yeah, that you're touching on here is, is, um, uh, well, look, look, we should probably come back to it. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I, I, it, it was just another, uh, another favorite question of mine, but I will come back to it because we've got to get to song three. Oh God. Hour of 37. Um, I was wondering how we we're going to fill the first hour. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think you did, I think you were one of the. I think you were one of the people that said to me, oh, I don't know that I'll make much of a good interview. You know, it's just crazy. It's ridiculous. I mean, everybody, I just, a couple of ladies I ran into buying these late, uh, local ladies that work in this shop this morning. I told them I was going to interview you and and uh, one said to the other, you know, oh, he should interview you. And he's like, oh, I haven't got anything to say. He's like, and the other said, no, everyone's got a story. It's true. I said, spot on. Mm. Exactly that. Exactly that. And, uh, fortunately or unfortunately for this interview, uh, you've got enough to fill up 24 hours of interview, mate, uh, and I don't want to miss any of it. Okay, so, song three, Joe Walsh. Jeez, an interesting guy. Yes, absolutely. Crazy. He was just sort of so not Beach Boys, not right. Eagles. He right. was quite unique in the band in his... Just, just his guitar work. Oh, and well, look, I'm not a okay. musician, but no, no, I, I well, can the, This is your interview, so I'm really fascinated because <laughs> he's one of these, um, you know, I, I actually don't think, I think if you asked um, 100 people who, you know, if they heard Jimi Hendrix, you'd, mm. you'd get an almost unanimous response. Joe Walsh should drop down a bit, I think, mm. you know. Um, but but for some of us, he's, he's a giant. But... Um, and, and let me quote you, sorry, I'm doing too much talking. But Joe Walsh, 1978, life's been good to me so far. First overseas trip, <laughs> here we go, with then Prime Minister Malcolm Fraser going on a state visit to, uh, to India. Played many times on the flight over. over. Uh, and we'll just pause to, for everybody to just let that percolate for a second. So we're on a Prime Ministerial aircraft and Joe Walsh might be interested to hear that he was, he was uh, top of the pops. Uh, obvious memories and how it related. Okay, all right. Um, I, I kind of feel like I need you to to. We, we were going with 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 forks in the road, and now we've now we've found ourselves uh, being a personal bodyguard to a prime minister of Australia. I don't know how we cover that in um, in under an hour, but go for it. You you got the floor, mate. You do it. Oh, look, it's and I think the same way too. Yeah. Even looking back at all that period and. Um, you know, how exclusive, privileged, all of those um, things, the circumstances you were put in. Um, but it was it was one of those really, well, my mother was quite proud of me. Oh, word, I bet. <laughs> I bet. It's, um, and by the way, just everybody, he, it's not just Malcolm Fraser, it was three prime ministers, you were the personal protection, what do you say, personal protection officer, is that yes. like? Yes, yeah. And it's um, uh, close 
I forget what the the name is now for it with uh, the federal police. Yeah. Um, but fundamentally, close, close protection. That, but yeah. Sort of like it was a, a squad of just six mm-hmm. at that stage, and the squads are huge now. But there was a squad of six of us with Fraser. Um, how I got to be involved in that is is another exercise altogether. In that, it's uh, like I think I'd I'd mentioned in the notes was it was. Very much a, a situational right spot at the right time and taking advantage of it. You know, because we all talk about, you know, there's luck in everything, but it's what you do with the luck that makes well, it. Well, and also <laughs> there's Gary Player's famous, you know, the more I practice, the luckier I get, right? Yeah. So you're, you're a humble man, but I'm, I'm guessing it was, it was more to, there was more to it than, than, than being in the right place at the right time, I'm sure. Well, just I probably like it's hard. I'll try and give a quick summary okay. of it in okay. that uh, federal police was then Commonwealth police. It was, it was really a weird time of um, getting their identity. Um, in Canberra, there was the ACT police did the general policing in the, in the Australian Capital Territory. Mm-hmm. The Commonwealth police, really, their primary role initially was security for all the embassies in Canberra, yes. consulates yep. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and... Overseas as well as in the country. Sweet, just, just John, you've got you've got to say, how did you go from being a bricklayer's mate to being in the? <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt, but you've just got to, you've got to at least in one sentence tell us how that happened. Again, my mother, of, uh, oh, right. she she bought home uh, an advertisement. I was on my way up to follow Jeanette, my first wife, uh, who had moved with uh, her parents to Townsville. Uh, her stepdad was a warrant officer in the army and oh. he got transferred up there. He was originally down at a place called Belcom, down near Mount Marfa, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was an yep. uh, army uh, apprentice training school. Yep. You know, and we'd met and down at Flinders through surfing. And uh, so she'd moved up to Townsville with her parents. I stayed back in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then decided I wanted to keep pursuing our relationship and go to Townsville, which I drove. So, what was that phrase? Kick the shoe in our. Is that what you said? What's that? What was that phrase? Uh, to, to to pursue. Um, oh, sorry, I thought you said. I thought it was another, you know, an Australian phrase. I thought you said kick the shoe in our relationship. Like, no, what? no, p- pursue sorry, the sorry, relationship. Sorry, sorry, pardon no, me. That's all right. Me. It was probably a little bit of that. <laughs> and and so I I drove up in in my little four cylinder Tur- Holden Tirana. Oh, yeah, yeah, Brocky, right? <laughs> yeah, but the little four cylinder one. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piled my, had my surfboard on the roof. Yeah. Uh, laid back the front passenger seat to yeah. sleep on it yeah. and drove and, and I think well as with you having uh, been to Port Douglas uh, even though Townsville's a bit south of that yep. um, it's still a long long way long like you get to way. Brisbane and you're not even that's halfway it. that's right that's right and uh, so did that drive up there um, but at that but before going my mother like get back to my mother's wanting me to do a little bit better and uh, she gave me the mm-hmm. ad for what was then going to be the Australian police force, which was meant to combine Northern Territory, ACT and Commonwealth Police okay. to one. So I put an application in for that. Okay, so it was like it was it was the two territories. Uh, in, in, that, that seems important. That it and wasn't, it wasn't never stayed. worked that way, as right. it was Northern Territory have always stayed separate, but they were the two territories because mm. they were still under Commonwealth control, mm. unlike the other states. Okay. Um, so sort of put that application in, hadn't given much thought to it, hmm. heading off to yeah. do what I started doing, bricklaying. It was amazing. I 
just drove nearly non-stop, Damn. barely stopped to sleep. Um, That's a hell of a drive. I got to Mackay, oh, which boy. is halfway up the Queensland That's a, coast. That's a fair way up. Uh, at about midnight, and I thought, oh, I'd better stop and sleep here. And uh, and then just a desire to see Jeanette and to get there, sure. to get to the end of your journey. Um, I kept driving and ended up turning up at their house in Townsville at four in the morning. Wow. Uh, didn't wake up the whole house, but caught up with Jeanette and um, Gosh. and then in the morning, families rom- all up, yeah. have a look at the... Um, <laughs> Have a look at the newspaper. There was an ad for a bricklayer on a building site. Right. I started work that morning. Hadn't really? probably slept for. You just drove all that way. Something like about forty-eight hours. And we're talking three thousand kilometres. Oh, at least something. Yeah. Maybe even more. Maybe even more. Gosh. And you straight out onto a building site. Yeah. How's your health and I, safety? Of a job that I hated doing <laughs> in the heat of. And up Northern there, exactly. What time of the, the year was it? Humidity, it was in January because I started Damn. down, it was in January. So that's the, that's the, for anyone wet that doesn't season. know, that's the middle of the wet, which is the hottest, hottest most humid time. Just um, horrendous. How old are you? How old are you at this stage? Uh, 21. 21, righto. Okay. I mean, incredible, like just on it, just that part of it, the, the, the stamina and the, you know, yeah, lack of sleep. Yeah. The excitement. And excitement, you know, sure. You're young and, and you're in love. And, mm. and, and, and Right, I get it, I get it. Okay, yep. Uh, did that for a little while, then stopped doing, I hated the bricklaying and it was, um, and they were, like they test you out and like mm. I hadn't done an apprenticeship so I hadn't learnt everything you needed to know about construction. Mm. I was just sort of okay at laying bricks down. So yeah. they gave me all of these finer skills like putting sills in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had done that before. Yeah. But um, it, it was everything combined, the lack of sleep, the heat, the humidity, uh, knowing you were being tested out. Mm. Got a job so quick, which was great in a way. So then I, I gave it away and I started uh, concrete pool spraying and right. concrete pumping, which I would define as probably the dirtiest, riskiest, <laughs> hardest job in God. the building industry. Laying is, concrete. Like, and we did the thing with, you know, you have the big truck, yeah. they put the concrete the, in the it, hose. comes out a hose, Damn. huge pressure. That is really, really tough. And if something goes wrong and you get a blockage... Oh. It's the weakest point. It's uh, it's uh, taught me the classic lesson of um, of an aneurysm. Oh yeah, because sure. that's what happens sure. to these pipes. Sure, the weakest spot. Exactly split, that. Exactly that. Balloon out, open, spray out concrete. Like when, like when you get a bleb on your tire, or it doesn't seem to happen so much these days. But no. Um. So sorry to age you for everyone, but what year was this? Uh, this was 1976. Right. So that okay. would have been um, January mm-hmm. 1976. Mm-hmm. Uh, Can only imagine. Year of that, yeah, Queensland. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but right. it's, um, yeah, yeah. And and so then I got notified that actually I had a job with the federal police thing didn't go through. So mm-hmm. it was just then the Commonwealth Police. So uh, and that touches on one of the guy who I looked after, who was the most loveliest person that I'd met in politics, and that was Gough Whitlam. Mm-hmm. He was the Prime Minister who was in, and Malcolm Fraser 
got him kicked out by the Governor General, and that was the that's the way it went the, down. That yeah. big history of um, you know a whole links to the to the Queen through the Governor yeah. General, but all that that's aside, so, well, no, that's I mean it's important just to um, acknowledge that, like you know. Well, probably my, my, obviously my ignorance, but, but you know, for Australians, that was an epoch. You know, the mate, that 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 event was it seventy nineteen seventy five November nineteen seventy five was, you know, in 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 this young, in terms of um, non Indigenous history, this young country's history, an absolute, one, you know, one of the moment, most sacking that, of the prime yeah, minister with yeah. Gallipoli and and some mm. other things. Probably Federation, I suppose, but the sacking of Prime Minister um, was enormous. And Gough Whitlam, uh, a much loved, I think, not just by you, but by yeah. lots of people, a great man, smart, um, brilliant statesman, uh, essentially sacked, um, uh, stabbed in the back. Um, and, and for us, and, and I've, I've since learned about it, but I don't think I was really aware much before I came here, which is my shame. But for Australians, this is a huge, huge, huge moment in history, yeah. right? And you looked after the man. Yeah. And you and, and for the record, he was lovely. He was lovely. Yeah. Uh, like a real gentleman, um, Margaret, uh, Mrs. Whitlam, his wife was, mm. she was tall too. Like right. they, they made me feel really tiny. Really? Because they were so tall. Was Goff taller than you? Uh, yes. Wow. Yeah. And look, it was just coincidence that so was Malcolm Fraser. You know, oh, they're, right. They're both sort of in the two metre range. Is that right? Yeah, six Gosh. foot six, six foot eight. Um, that would have helped when you're dealing with little puny uh, overseas yeah. presidents. Well, it? you didn't lose them too easily too. But, um, <laughs> okay. So it was, Sorry, I'm going to shut up. You carry on. Sorry. No, the link with that, I guess, was the Australia police thing was a Whitlam government thing. Yep. He was sacked <clears throat> as Prime Minister in, um, in just months before I went to Townsville. Hmm. So there was a whole lot of thing transitioning. Um, there was always international security issues going on, which hmm. was another fa- fascinating thing of... Basically, you're a policeman, but like a security, mobile security team going around all the embassies in Canberra mm. and also all the higher classification buildings, like yes. all the defence buildings, yes. the intelligence buildings. We then got the gig of going around to make sure everyone had locked their safes and there was no top secret. Uh, Australian eyes only, the top highest grades of all the things from confidential, you know, then they had all different colours yes, yes. going up of files yes. that whenever they left their desk, they were meant to be put away. So we got the job of uh, going around after hours, checking every office to make sure they were secure. I mean, just that everyone, I hope everyone's just... <laughs> Yeah, the minds. I, I sort of know some of this, obviously, because we have. I'm lucky enough to spend a lot of time talking with John in in, in the job that we do together. But you you, you work <laughs> one day. You're on a building site, and the next moment you're going ultra it. top secret documents, making sure that they're all. You must. Pin, did you pinch yourself? Are you going? What the hell has just happened to me? And Could like, not believe yeah. it. In that. So I got that notification up in Townsville. Okay, so you go there. As I was sort of could not believe, I'm thinking, you know, sort of like you you ponder how good life is going to be for you when you're out there covered in concrete, just 
so tired all the sure, time. Sure. The boss I had in the concrete pool pumping was an Austrian who was a mongrel of a person. Right. And not, not in who a actually way. did like me, right? But he was just a mongrel of a person. He was devastated when I said, "Look, mate, I'm going." Yeah, and because he had a good I worker. got this gig down in, in Canberra yeah. to go down, yeah. and um, could not believe it. So that then, now I'm not sure if they flew me down or not, because I know I had to get my little Tarana um, mm-hmm. put on the train to bring it down from mm-hmm. Townsville yep. Yep. to yep. Um, to I picked it up. Uh, a, a, Canberra? Yeah, I'm pretty sure the train went into Canberra, or yes. But anyway, it was... Are they doing... Okay, there's an advert in the newspaper. You apply. Mum says, do that, apply. Yeah. You, you get you get the gig. You, you're not. You're up in Townsville. You're concreting. It's tough. You say, hey, we want you to come and work for the Commonwealth Police. Yep. You go, sweet. <laughs> go, you go back down. Your love's still up there. We'll come back to that, maybe. Um, it, I can only assume that there must have been some looking into your family background. There must have been security checks. They must have, even in those days, they must yes. have spoken to your friends. You haven't associated with, I don't know, what, communists? Would that be yes, the thing then? that was big then, um, yes. You know, I don't know, other terrorists, presumably. Yep. Uh, what was your politics through school? And did you, you know, who are your friends, et cetera, et cetera. This, this all happens pretty quick. Does, is that right? Do your mum and dad get sat down and go? Probably within, a, yeah, two to three months, which... It, Gosh. it's it's quite scary on just sometimes yeah. how bureaucracies can be crazy right. about how they delay good people getting into positions. Yeah. Then other times they're because they've got a task to employ so many right. people. Right. It's a little bit of and I only just thought of it then. You gotta say Wilson. Now <laughs> no a transition from a Labour government oh. to a conservative government yeah. mm-hmm. tends to have a higher focus on some security type issues. Right. So, and also they'd overturned the plan to create this new police force, like mm-hmm. a, the Australia Police Force, which they eventually did with the Australian Federal, the Federal Police. Federal Police, yeah. Um, so then they had to, because I think a lot of recruiting was put on hold. Mm-hmm. So I'm being kind of them. You to mean think when they when, might have rushed it through? And when it when they went from Whitland to to Fraser, to Fraser you mean? okay, yes. okay, okay. So they right. So mm-hmm. Fraser was Prime Minister only just elected, and demonstrations everywhere. Like if you look back through all the files, there yeah. was so much violent demonstrations happening. Is that right? Because because so, had there, um, you know, the 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 uh, this. This country, sixteen thousand kilometres away, um, our head of state come in and and tell us Australians that our prime minister is not allowed to be our prime minister anymore. And Sir John Kerr, who was the Governor General, mm. was a story in itself, right? Um, of him because I got to uh, look after him one day at the Melbourne Cup. So it was right. the first Melbourne Cup I went to. Right. I was driving our V eight Ford, big three fifty one Ford. That was our. Detailed this, this is the following uh, his Rolls Royce, the Governor General Gov- Gov- of the this country. Is, this, this is the professional car. This is the yeah the, the police car. The, and uh, so I got the the job of driving that again, right spot at the right time. Yet yeah, Taps is a good guy for this, and and this is where all the boxing and martial arts help too. Sure, and that you were pretty fit <laughs> and all that like, and people liked you. Comes back to this yeah, nice guy yeah, that people liked. Yeah. yeah. We'll get Taps to do that. Yeah, you know, he'll be good at that. 
No training yet at that so, stage. So what, what year are you driving him to the Melbourne? What's his name again, Sir John? What's his Sir John Kerr. John Kerr. the Governor General. Who is hated. Hated. Uh, and, and you're going into a crowd of 100,000 people. Yep. The busiest sport event, probably bar, probably even more than the grand final for yep. the AFL. And there's you, there's you with your boxing and martial art training. Somehow you've got to potentially yeah. protect this guy against who knows what drunken uh, sort of attacks. It was, and we drive down the straight. God. So I got to actually drive down the um, the straight at Flemington wow. that we came in up with a twelve hundred start is yeah. as as Matt will well know, <laughs> <laughs> and we. Um, Drove down, so he's coming down in the big black Rolls Royce. Yep. I'm in the um, the Ford V8 following him down the straight yep. and we're being led down there by the mounted Victoria Police branch with all their... Um, right. Were they spears thing? Their, their, uh, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, like... Uh, javelin sort of things. Uh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So they're all going down in this procession where we pulled up and the... The inside thing that I'm probably allowed to say without it being a problem okay. was he okay. got a uh, was obviously under a lot of pressure, Gosh, and this yeah. would have been so. This would have been the first Melbourne Cup yeah. since Whitlam was sacked, which was around right. about it was in November. Was it no November the 11th? I think it was it on Marem- uh, some M- Remembrance Day. 75. Sem- in 1975. So this was 1970s. Wouldn't it have been 76? It must have been 77. Okay. Okay. The 77 Melbourne Cup. And so he goes up into the chairman's things all upstairs in the stands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we move cars. I come up there. And, and so far, was, no problem? No problem. Like, Lots of, you know, sort of booing and hissing mm, and all that mm, sort of thing. Mm. But he just got smashed on his scotch up there. He could <laughs> barely stand up. Oh. He was that drunk that oh, day. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And the, the one thing I can remember as clear as anything right. was our biggest thing was to get him back to the Rolls Royce oh. without him falling over oh, or vomiting or do something really – well, he's already done something that many would regard as highly inappropriate by wow. sacking an a elected prime minister. But – Anyway, we um, he gets back. We get him into it. We how, drive how many up you the straight. How many, how many of you officers uh, are there? Two with him who were, were a squad that I eventually would be working with, which I didn't know at that stage. Mm. Um, and, and I have jumped a few stages to get to what's a pretty interesting story of sure. Sir John Kerr. Sure. <laughs> we got him back to going, the Rolls Royce. Yeah. He gets up and then... For whatever reason, he's deciding he's going to thank all of the mounted police. And there must be 15 at least of them. Yeah. So he gets out, goes to get out. He nearly falls over on the grass to get out. (laughs) So we're all madly going without making a big fuss to make sure we don't have to pick him up off the ground. So he staggers around on the rear fenders of the big rolls. Gets around, he's just about to walk out, and then even he realises he's not going to make just it. Just can't do it. To walk up and thank them all. So he just slurringly, thank you, everyone, in his very sort of English posh, accent. Yeah. Posh, yeah. And, um, and then staggers back into the car, we leave, and 
no wow. incidences to report. Boy, <laughs> your worship. <laughs> like, well, I think I think we've passed the statute of limitations. I think you can say that he was drunk. I think that's yeah, okay. yeah. What a story! Oh my god! Again, and they're all deceased now. That, yeah, um, but uh, golf went only a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yes, um, and, and Malcolm the same. I went to yeah. his funeral, sat off in the little side church. But it- well, John, we have got to. We have got to do song three. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to. Um, <laughs> Yeah, now, now everyone's very everyone, apt about life to be good to me so far. I'm sure, yeah, right. I'm sure uh, a more skill, skillful, uh, more professional interviewer than, than me, someone like Andrew Denton, could have could, could get through this, but I just don't want to because you've just got so many great stories. All right, so anyway, here we go. I'm going to press play and then we're going <laughs> to then we're going to go uh, back into how you got to be. Uh, the personal protection officer for Malcolm Fraser. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant.
everyone um, hopefully feels some compassion for me in trying to wrestle uh, the life of this incredible bloke in some kind of order. Uh, this being this being Johnny Taps, not 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 Joe Walsh. Um, uh, but just to pause on that, what um, John and I were just discussing was. Um, well, no, you said it best. He, he's got a singular voice, essentially, as a, as a guitarist. Yes. But what did you say, 78 this was? 78, yeah. Just the the sort of um, invention and clarity um, of of the production, the mixing and the, and the sounds that were involved in that um, it blows my mind. And, and So why that one in... in was that, was that a, another lyrics main choice for you or is there another reason for you a combination of the of the situation of um yeah and it was another interesting thing just to throw in there is that was probably the last overseas trip of an australian prime minister in a commercial plane oh we flew right. quanta 747 mm-hmm. where um the prime minister's staff entourage uh family uh, took over the front of yep. the 747 Jumbo yep. Yep. and the used to be business class bar, whatever, in the upstairs section, yep. mm-hmm. that became his office. Right. So um, we um, – and I got relegated being – so this is the thing that even talking about it now, yep. I, I still find – there's a theme of surrealism about sure. my whole life. Of course. Like, I can't comprehend it. That's at what times I'm getting at myself. Yes, of course. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm saying to you. It's 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 mental. You know that you. Sorry, that but go age, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like that was uh, when I was listening to that. That would have been because we're heading over there for India's National Day. It was a state visit. Indira Gandhi was still alive then, yep. and she was the Prime Minister. Uh, Desai was the President. He was the one who used to drink his own urine in the morning. What? Tasty little drop, but no. Good Lord, in the morning as well when it's concentrated. <laughs> yes. So it was, the, so that would have been Indian National Day, January. I think pretty sure it's in January. Okay. In, um, and that was in 1978. So obviously that Joe Walsh. Eagles had ended 77, broke up in 77. Um, And then it would have been, that was his first album, and that was obviously the song from that album. Because Hotel California, what was that? That was like 75, something like that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah, something. So their first breakup was Mm. was around, okay, I didn't know that. So um, are we saying then that, I hope I'm there's, right on that. But it was definitely Joe Walsh. That was one of his. That was his first album. So, so there's playing punters on the on the back of the seven four seven in cattle, cattle class. Um, does, does does Prime Minister Fraser have the have the first choice of song, or is it or or is he leaving that to to his security detail, or who chooses Joe Walsh as the as the soundtrack? I uh, know. Well, that was on because commercial flight. Um, that was my first flight overseas, mm. so I. I didn't know what was when when you're plugged in uh, primitive earphones yeah. on a plane then and they had the central tape course, going around. Of course, yeah, silly. But yep. you were still able to even then 
pick what you wanted. That's why, hence, I was saying I'd keep replaying it because oh, okay, I just okay. loved listening to it. So this was you personally with your headphones. It wasn't what everybody was. No, no. Primus Rose didn't get on and go, look, I want the new Joe Walsh album. No, no. He, he probably wasn't quite into it, but no. I couldn't be sure on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when, so, okay, how come you were guarding uh, Gough Whitlam as well? Did you start with the ex-Prime Minister that before? That was in the 1977 election. So oh. they, it was, um, they had an election, was that the first election? I'm not, I'll, I'll be advised by yeah, others on sure, remembering sure, sure, sure. it, but there was definitely the election that Gough Whitlam was still then leader of the opposition, mm-hmm. um, went against Fraser and I don't know if they finished a term till that 77 election or there'd been a previous one before it off the top of my head at the moment. But mm. I know in 77, um, I got the job to be detailed off with um, with Goff for that 77, because I hadn't started with Fraser at that stage oh, in that election. Um, so he had his original people who started on his detail mm-hmm. that looked after him. Um, so you start at, with VIPs in... St- Including the Governor General. Just VIPs. Um, you move up the chain. And then what happened was um, back in, because it, I started, I just quickly go back, of I course, started in yeah. uniform yeah. In, um, in in Canberra. Right. Um, after coming down from Townsville. Come down from Townsville, all car, of that. car on the train. Before I know it, I'm getting inducted, uniform, uniform. Uh, Going off to a firing range mm. with um, mm. Smith and Wesson 38s we had then. Yeah, um, cowboy it guns. It was totally overwhelming. Like and never fired a gun before. Yes, I had. Yeah, yeah. like my brothers had guns, mm. um, and mainly air air rifle, which I was lucky enough that I was a reasonably good shot, I was which say, flows yeah. on later. Yeah, that yeah. that helps a lot because I'd always. Um, so then, sorry, I'll just go sort of came down mm-hmm. in Canberra on uniform, going around all the embassies. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Uh, and it was, that was a unique thing because it was eight hour shifts, mm. but 24 seven. Mm. And there just wasn't enough staff. Um, you know, like it was amazing, you know, like it was sort of like we're looking at, we're looking at the, the Russian Embassy, and we had a number of spots because that was a big deal at the time. Russia and China were oh, big yeah. deals then, as they are. So it's it's really fascinating as coming full circle yep. to be how what a focus it was on Russia spies because there was a lot of things going on in that um, Whitlam period. There was a big loans affair of trying to get loans or some rich Middle mm-hmm. Eastern countries. So. The overlay was that up the security mm. because of either protesters or mm. something more sinister. Mm. In that period was when the Anand, Amanda, Ananda Marga group, where they followed a guru in India, Baba, and they became quite politically involved and they were some of the early years of terrorism, like there was oh. the... Palestinian Liberation sure. Organisation, yep. mm-hmm. the PLO. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> there was, even in those times, some of the early terrorism before it became 
9-11 redefine yeah. terrorism. Yeah. Yeah. No one thought that, whether it happened or not, but well, I'm sure it did, <laughs> that, um, that that redefined it. Sure, there was the Munich Olympics, right? Munich Olympics 72. was the biggest one. Yeah. Is that right? Was that the PLO? Was that Yasser Arafat's mob? Yes. Something? Yep. Um, that, that was... That was a big one, and and uh, I mean, I'm obviously in Britain, IRA was the huge thing. But yes. then there was the there, and then there was the Iranian embassy siege, etc. But uh, I didn't know about the Indian terrorist Indian group. one, and the other one that was unique in '76 was Pol Pot in oh, Cambodia. Of course, yep. So we got to then this embassy, but everyone had all left. Also, oh, Cambodian embassy um, were they were they kicked changed. out? Were they yeah. because of the atrocities, the genocide? Yeah. Uh-huh. So there was just, even for what was like super weird to come from labouring in the building God, industry yeah, down yeah. to carrying around a loaded firearm, a radio, mm. uh, coming from a surfing background and mm. the issue of smoking dope was pretty big, obviously, in the surfing industry. I suppose like as people knowing me listening knows I'm a bit of a boring goody two-shoes as well. <laughs> so even though like what some people would do as common practice was a really big deal for me okay. to have a joint or something like that. Let's call it a strong moral compass, shall we? Yeah, maybe it was pinching that pocket knife back at Coles and getting caught. Right. No, no. Taught yeah. me there's consequences well, to there actions. You, you made the you made the connection. I'm I'm sure it's yeah. Um and, and presumably the, the fellas you're with uh, so it sounds like a, a kind of nascent uh, attempt at forming what would become the Australian Federal Police. So presumably there's there's other blokes that are pretty young and green like yourself. Absolutely. It's a, a lot of young people. We had a couple of a little bit older, but basically a lot of us were um, either not even 21 or Damn. just 21. Wow. Uh, obviously with my history, I was probably not quite... As old in the maturing sense, mm. even though I probably always was a little bit old in my thinking, um, to be all of a sudden thrust into this job with a gun in your load of gun in your hand, yeah, amazing. Uh, not much training. It was pretty terrible, and wow. we didn't even do like they all do now. They have a, a constables course that you start on day one, and you yeah. don't go on the road. Yeah, we're on the road the next yeah. day after induction. Oh wow. Out um, moving around, um, trying to keep <clears throat> awake. And all the the senior constables or sergeants who are on, their job was to try and catch you sleeping in your guard boxes or under <laughs> a tree right? somewhere. So, oh, boy. Um, and they knew the maturity that they were trying to deal with as well. It's just the, the – I mean, it's kind of the story of um, so many different – I mean, you think about like a pre-hospital, but you think about – um, aeromedical retrieval, for example. Mm. I mean, you and I know that go back, well, even in my career, my first experience with with, heli- with rotary, you know, with helicopter, oh boy, talk about no training, you know, mm. it, it, which in high, it's, it's, it's lovely to have gone through it in a way, isn't it? It's ch- kind of charming. Mm. There's you, <laughs> a builder's, a builder slash concrete, and now you've got a loaded gun going around, uh, you know, the, the Soviet embassy. My my God, um, that's a bit extreme. But uh, it's not that long ago that health and safety, asbestos we've already talked about, training, mm. you know, um, certainly uh, oversight 
and and um, you know accountability were completely different, right? Mm. I mean, what you're describing sounds like a a, a hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> I've got to say, I'm going. I'll oh, tell me the spy stories, you know. But but be just a different time, and yet not that long ago, really. It true, uh, not that long ago. Like we were saying about the Ganga Jang song and ambulance, and, mm, mm. you know, like everyone would think 1980s has, wasn't that oh, long it's ago. Just, just a different time. It's like two things. When I started in the federal police, it was only it was all male. There was mm, no female mm, mm. Uh, police officers in the Commonwealth Police, or the then it became the Australian Federal Police. Yeah. Uh, the same as when I joined ambulance in um, 1984. No women. There was no women. The wow. first women came in. 1986, wow. just two, um, and um, so that's not that long ago. No, no. And so much of that, like it's funny, I, I sort of think about that and our induction in at uh, Kingston in the ACT, one of the inner suburbs right, in right. the ACT, and um, it was sort of like a cross between Dad's Army <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh. Of just a recent song mm. Um, mm. of Tones and I mm. about uh, the children mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. out. So, you know, kids are taking over. And yeah. Yeah. we've got this young group, but the whole setup was like a dad's army thing. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow we winged through it all. Yeah, somehow. And, 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 and I bet you winged and through no it. And no great dramas or scandals or... But, I'm sure that you Lucky, were forced to yeah. problem solve, right? You know, improvise. Because, uh, uh, well, for another thing, how can you, you know, we live now in a heavy, reg, heavily regulated world, right? Mm. Medicine, medicine, paramedicine. Medicine. Um, you know, there's good, there's good arguments for that. We, we live in an age of evidence-based medicine, for example. Um, but, gee, there's nothing like learning through mistakes, isn't there? Or close misses, for, yes. for example, debriefing with your friends. Yes. How can we do this better? Um, and getting through things which you look back at now and could have been major right, scandal right, drama, right. you know, that you might have been innocently caught up in something that you would have not only lost your job for, but you could have gone to jail for. I was going to preamble this the, the, in the preamble to this whole thing i was gonna i was gonna say that this this may mark the first time when inside the heliosphere is um is is uh is governed by the official secrets act <laughs> and i did actually ask you didn't know a few weeks ago yes. there's, there's a few things we might not be able to go into uh he's sorry he's told me all the secrets um uh which no he hasn't um i was gonna say oh yeah right okay my question was gonna be in the midst of all this which is by any objective measure mind-blowing where does your love life sit in all of this? You've, you've, you've just driven, we've heard, three and a half thousand kilometres in one go to be with the, at that time, love of your life. Yes. Now you've turned around and gone, actually, see you later. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to do this, this uh, new career as a Commonwealth policeman. What, what happens to your love life? It's, um, it, it's an interesting one, really, because before I left, um, I proposed and got engaged mm. to Jeanette in Townsville mm. Mm. and then eventually flew back up with a couple of my new young surfing mates who were mm. in the same weird situation as what I was. These are in the police with you? In the police, yep. had just joined. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them um, who introduced me to Jimmy Buffett and oh. and quite a few other unique music, Maria Mulder, 
Never heard Maria Mulder? No. no. It's, um, there was, yeah, introduced me to some very interesting music. Um, and we, he flew up with me. We flew up. We finished night shift Friday morning. Flew up Friday, got married on Sunday, flew mm. back on Sun, um, got married on Saturday, flew back on Sunday, yeah, and um, I started an afternoon shift on the Monday. Boy. Is that it was like- in May of of um, of nineteen seventy six. Okay, so um, let's see. 21, did you say? Yeah. 76, I would have been 22 in August of that year. So 21. Is it like the army um, that when you're married, you get your your billet improves? You get us, no. Were you getting a free house? Did they give you a call? No. No, no accommodation. And uh, so we looked to, we're looking to then buy a place down there. So it was sort of pretty impractical for for Jeanette to even come down to Canberra because Mm. I was away so much. Like, the way there were six of us on the squad, mm. two with him all the time. This so Fraser now? With Fraser. <clears throat> um, no, this was, sorry, going sorry, back no. to when I first started. Yes, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was staying in a hostel in yeah, Canberra. Yeah. And um, that were crazy days. Like, you know, that was the 70s. <laughs> and you've got all these people who've coming from all over the country and the yeah. Commonwealth to some degree were with jobs in the public service. And, yeah. And that in Canberra, and and it was predominantly the young ones stayed at what was then called the Macquarie Hostel, which was in Barton, in a suburb, um, in um, in Canberra, and um, it was really like people thrown of predominantly young people mm. into a, a hostel situation, and um, with our shifts, a few of them I stayed there, mm. and then. Others sort of got places over the border in Queanbeyan and okay. you know, shared, rented and things like that. It's a bit weird that they wouldn't give you accommodation, right? Yeah. It was, like I said, it was. there's a bit of Dad's Army in the, sure, the way sure. it went. I didn't do my constable course till near the end of that first year. Right. Then that's probably where it jumps to, doing all the embassies. We had a few incidents and, um, again, I was lucky enough that I was really well-liked by you know, by the sergeants and um, mm. other people you worked with. Mm. So I did my constable's course and the people who came in the top three of that course mm. um, ended up getting an interview to do plain clothes because right. the other part of the Commonwealth job was enforcing and that was an investigative branch that enforced all of Commonwealth law. Like yeah. you've got the Crimes Act... Uh, which covers official secrets. You had, to, you, had to learn, you had to learn the whole thing as well. So yeah. that's complex. So you had all your law subjects, you had your practice, okay. you had to give evidence in court, like, so you know, mock things. So you've got fitness, you've got marksmanship, you've got yeah. presumably uh, classroom performance. Yeah, um, which we, was better than I'd done at school. You Even found, though I was good at some subjects at school. Presumably like, you'd found something that you were passionate about now. Yeah. And, you, and, out, and okay, and, and other things... Which you can tell me now as well, but you came in the top three of yes. Out of so I came second in twenty uh, odd or mm-hmm. something in in the group. What other? What, how how else were you assessed other than the things I said? Um, there was all like like typical uh, police and military. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, marching up and down in a quadrangle was oh. a big deal. Was it? Um, my fitness helped again yeah. because I was the fastest runner, mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't really 
had any running races at that stage. Um, but oh, you hadn't done athletics to, as a as no, a, oh okay. no. So I was just sort of very much self-taught in athletics. And t- tell us, tell me, we've spoken about a mutual love for athletics, but what yes. was your what was your events or your your preferred distances? Um, I didn't have quick to twitch quick twitch fibers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i was more of a distance runner mm-hmm. and probably in those days more middle distance mm-hmm. so eights and 15s yeah 8 15 uh, even up to 5000 okay so i i could sort of last but uh, we had a few different running courses mm-hmm. and i used to sort of like i think for quite a lot of years i had the record for this right. running course right. at the police academy right. um so everyone's and- getting a picture of john now everyone's getting a picture of this and, and I've just got to pick you up on your habit, which other modest people do, is to drop into the second person when talking about themselves in a positive way. You would, uh, you would, if you would uh, win a race, if you were good at marksmanship, if you, you know, you're okay to talk about yourself in, in the first person. Sorry, it's probably going to make you feel self-conscious now, but it's just interesting to note you're obviously a very accomplished um, recruit and, and you make it. Uh, as as the as, as the second in, in a class of 20 they say okay someone taps you on the shoulder and says okay mate you're good enough to be in the in the plain clothes to start doing detective training yeah so that's not bad like it's and that's in the first 11 months this is only 11 months in God. from not even a year ago yeah were, not even a year ago you're all of a sudden <coughs> and they said where do you want to go? like i had an interview with the Assistant Commissioner for Crime, who was a big, huge, I think, probably ex-New South Wales policeman and mm. things. So we had a lot of ex-UK police, oh. ex-state police. So Tough in men, the Commonwealth right? Police, a lot of our senior officers came from particularly the UK, but mm. also around other states. Mm. Um, so he interviewed me. Uh, took a liking to me, mm. and he said, I've heard enough. Where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Sydney? <laughs> There's a big future for you in this job. Yeah. He said, where do you want to go to Sydney or Melbourne? And I go, oh, go to Melbourne. That's where I've sort of come from, and we would like to get back home. Sure. Um, and so um, <laughs> it was more or less nearly an all-overnight thing that we went back to Melbourne. Wow. And... Um, and so we're staying at a friend's place for this first week until we worked out what we're going to do about where to rent or mm. what we're going to do. And I started on what they called on the floor, which was the detective floor mm-hmm. in at um, East Melbourne in Jollymont. Um, so is that one of those classic, like you see in the old TV shows, people smoking everywhere, yep. tough blokes swearing. Yeah, and, uh, all the bosses were in like glassed-in offices. Yeah, 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 all yeah, the yeah. rest sergeants down were all in clusters of tables, yeah. typewriters. Yeah. So the sound of typewriters yeah. was just nearly going continuously. Yeah. Then you had your interview rooms. And where you first started was in the... Oh, I just had a blank of the name that they gave for But fundamentally what you did was you went off and served summonses on people okay. to go to court okay. or you know, to be witnesses and things to go to court. Then for the rest of your time, you had the job of locating people, mm. like as in you go down to um, uh, different titles offices, the electoral roles, um, 
all this sort of different government departments sure. to try and locate people, find their addresses, to have them either served with that or for the other detectives to go off to um, raid the place or whatever. Uh. So I was only there for a week uh, and Malcolm Fraser and, and Tammy Fraser, Mrs Fraser and the PM were, uh, they had a property at Nareen down in the Western Districts, which is near Coleraine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. On the past Hamilton, <laughs> all places we know as landmarks no, now. yes, and, yes, um, yes. And so they had no security at Nareen. So things were a little bit like they were a, a bit anti having police and security around. Right. But, but they were exposed. But the, in Parliament imposed, yeah. the Speaker of the House, mm. which was Sir Billy Snedden at the time, imposed that they had to have federal police details. Mm. So obviously his detail of two people would come down when he would go to the farm and stay and then he had an office there. So this was very early in the piece of um, him going down. Of him being a prime minister. And prime minister. Yep. So mm-hmm. this would have been in... So that would have been around the end of 76. So he's not yet won the... Uh, yes, it was in November 75. Oh, he'd So this it. would be probably a year later. So... Uh, uh, and another thing that came back to us in my later careers is a lot of mental health issue people. Mm. So someone had then got in to the kitchen and Mrs Fraser was in the kitchen and this stranger with um, uh, uh, a mental health illness um, had come in there terrified at all. So this, is, this is in the co- near Coleraine? This is, this is in, in the near Coleraine, uh, down at the farm wow. at Marine. Uh, so obviously hit the fan, uh, Johnny Taplin, um, let's see if we can find someone else. We had people who did a lot of what they called escort work. So, sorry, this person that, with a mental health issue that, that, that got into Mrs. Fraser's kitchen, yeah. we, we, did they have – they had no security at, no on that occasion? No oh, at, at okay, the farm okay, at all. Okay. So this is gets back to like I'd sort of said about how things you can be right spot at the right time okay. and situational. So they turned around and said – John Taplin and grabbed another one of the guys of the escort squad who would do the driving of the VIP security car, would escort money because that's when the mint was in Melbourne that was printed all the notes and that that was sent around. So we'd escort the armoured vehicle and things so you'd be armed and all that sort of thing for it. So that was down in our little area. Um, And so the boss, the inspector, came out. I was the first person he saw. He said, can you go and go down? We've got to go to Nareen. That's Fraser's property down there. There's been a nutter that's broken in. Yeah. This is quoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Uh, who broke, has broken in and scared the wits out of um, Mrs. Fraser. So myself and another guy um, grabbed a car and weapons and whatever. and um, Straight there. Um, Next to had no clothes, like I could barely just go home because we're only staying at a friend's place because we've just moved down from the ACT. It's remarkable. And and so away I went, ended up being what was, we had no idea how long we're going for, but I ended up staying for three weeks down there. And in that time, the whole setup happened. We got all the people in there for alarms and security systems and... um, 
uh, a guard box at the gate. Um, and so, so I ended up being down there. Yep. And had, as a young guy, the exclusive position of how all this stuff worked, sure. where it was all installed, on what the setup was and, you know, protocols that if your alarm went off, how we handled it and things like that. You've got more than two of you, surely, after a little bit. Just two of us went down there to start this off. Yeah. Then he only had two uh, bodyguards with him when he'd come down to the farm. He'd fly in in a twin prop turbo yeah. and land in one of the paddocks. So we'd go and pick them up at this landing oh, strip because yeah. we had to go out there and put the lights out, yeah. shoo all the sheep off it. <laughs> this is a Prime Minister of Australia. <laughs> shoo oh all the sheep off the, um, oh, boy, off the boy. landing strip, put all the lights out for the plane to come it's in if it was coming amazing, in at night time. And so this was like a Shoo the sheep away from the Prime Minister in case, in case the Prime Minister of Australia is... T- by the by the way, whatever could go wrong with a with a turboprop, oh, you know. Yeah, I've got plenty of stories. Landing so in a paddock. Landing of flying in this plane. Because when I eventually got on the squad, which is, is a lot of stuff transpires before that. But yeah, um yeah, yeah. in being because we'd sit with the pilot, it was just one pilot flying yeah. a prime minister. It, you know, the others were not happy about it, but you know, at least it wasn't a single engine, so it had to be That's a right. twin prop. That's right. It was a twin turbo prop, so it had yep. the exhaust sure. as well to slow it down. Yeah. Um, so one of us would sit in the front with the pilot, and we had some really hairy times. Oh, boy. Terrible weather. Yeah. And the pilot would be drenched oh. in sweat, and he'd take us through a crash course that if something happened to him... How we could bring the, <laughs> land the plane. How we could bring the plane down and <laughs> With the I mean safely. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? I mean, God, I mean, you know, uh, you I, look I, at it now uh, and you think back, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how much has ever been uh, put on tape or disc. Look, I don't uh, I, to but, highlight this. Well, now it is. Now it is. It is. Uh, now. I'm not sure. If it, I'm not sure how many people are going to find this podcast, but it's here if anyone. Yeah, eventually, <laughs> I, I mean, I, but John, you know, I'm so, I, I, a lot of people listening to this will have. Will have never even been in one of those planes you're talking about, yeah. much less been next to the pilot as I have when you see a weather system coming. Mm. And because and, everyone just gets used to, oh, you know, oh, my flight's going to be 10 minutes delayed. Mm. And then you get into this sort of huge thing. You've got no sense that really you're in a plane. But pilots in these things, they literally, they're looking at a massive weather system and going, oh, gee, we better fly around that mm. one, right? Yeah, but you we know? can't. We've it's gotta... just nuts that yeah. the Prime Minister, and by the way, Maybe we. I'd, I would just like to record, without going into detail, that that, that not long before this, a, a sitting prime minister of Australia disappeared. Never found. Going for a swim off of um, Portsea. Portsea. Mm. What, what was that gentleman's name? Harold Holt. Harold Holt. That's right. Yeah. So, anyway, okay. Now, I just. But before I forget, now this is this is maybe a rubbish interview again. But you said something in passing earlier, um, and it was that one of your mates who flew up for your wedding with you introduced you to. Um, I, I forgot the name of the lady you said, but uh, a, a musician. Yep. Yes. One of my favourite, well, my favourite podcaster, Mark Maron, WTF. He's fond of. Uh, he loves music. He's a, he's a comedian, but he loves him. He's fond of saying to people, who was your guy? Who was the person that interested you? His, his, his hypothesis, which, which is easy to agree with, is that people like yourself, now mm-hmm. you, John, with older, brother, older brothers and sisters, 
are uniquely lucky that they go, hey, check out David Bowie. Mm. Hey, check out Rolling Stones. Was and, and I know that we, we've just completely changed, not even rabbit holes, we've changed complete species here. But, but did any of your older, your siblings, did they have that role for you? Did they introduce you to great music? A uh, little bit of the ones, and I thought about those, because the first album I ever bought was by a group called Chain, and uh, the song was Black and Blue, so mm-hmm. that was the first vinyl mm-hmm. single that I bought. Yeah. But the ones I remember most were the Beatles. Sure. And that's um, Abbey Road yeah. and um, Is that your album? Sergeant that... Peppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they yeah. were ones that my brother had that we'd play on vinyl. She's Alan? She's Alan, your brother Alan? Uh, Alan, yep, and David to a degree as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and... So those Led were, Zeppelin as uh, well. And did they come close to making your list at all, Beatles, Zeppelin? Uh, they did, but they're probably, they're, like I said, you have to break it down. Mm-hmm. Like you think of a lot of things mm-hmm. that are situational, yep. but are also what is your go-to ones. And it's amazing now, like I've kept evolving with music that... Yep. Um, Jimmy Buffett of the older ones would be more a go-to one. Mm-hmm. But most of my go-tos now would, you know, would be ones that I've picked that are more modern, like yeah. Imagine, Imagine Dragons. Dragons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, like I keep having this weird fantasy, but I realise reality um, <laughs> is uh, if I got tattoos on the inside of my arm, yeah, it would be LBC one time and LDR on the other right. for Long Beach, California, right, and for Lana Del Rey, which is is just her stage name for uh, right. Elizabeth Grant. Has, right. um, uh, Long Beach, she's California. A person. Long Beach, California, because, again, it's such an integral part of that American culture mm-hmm. that I know we've spoken yeah, about before, recently, that yeah. something is gets tattooed on the yeah. inside of your mind, yeah. Yeah. where you've picked it up, yeah. and then when you actually go there, mm. you think, I'm home. Mm-hmm. And you've mm-hmm. never been there before. Mm-hmm. And one part of you is so anti it because you're so you can you can at times be very anti American, but then also be an American file. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. and I and I think you're a little bit like Oh no, hundred percent. I love America. <laughs> I mean I I I no I'm I, you know, it's not And about you me. wonder why, but <sighs> look, uh, I I think that there's hundreds of reasons. But <laughs> I think Taking aside emotions and, and just the subjective experience of, um, you know, one's music, film taste, things like that, you know, the, the uh, unless if you've been to America, you'll know it's impossible to say, well, it's impossible to say, how do I say this? I think it's very hard um, to take seriously anyone that would say they hate America mm. because what does that mean? Because, you know, Alabama... And New York City are are two separate countries, really. You know, uh, or let's let's say Montgomery, Alabama, and New York's and, and Manhattan. You know, as are you know downtown Los Angeles and uh, you know the hills, uh, Hollywood yeah, hills. Yeah, uh, yeah, or Big Sur, yeah, or, or, yeah. or the Hollywood Hills, or you know, it's 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 so many thousands of countries and experiences in one, isn't it? Mm. Um, so, but that's fascinating. I'm just, I'm, I'm processing what you just said about the two tattoos. So that's, that's a really, <laughs> uh, that's, that's a. 
I'm hoping you can give me some advice. No, no, no. I'm, I, Why I think, would I think that of no, doing I, it? Why would that yeah. keep running through your mind? No, that, that's, that's perfect. That, that, no, that's one of those thoughts that you've expressed that I think is best left uh, to be an impressionistic um, statement that anyone listening to this can, can mull on. And I, I don't think it needs drilling into. I think it's yeah. just a very, very interesting thing for you to say. And I think it, um, I think it sits as a statement on its own. Um, all right. So I asked, so I, I did just want to, I, I did derail you because I did just want to ask that question about, uh, you know, almost musical mentors and, 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 and I think mm. we got a bit of that. Um, we could, we could quite literally now spend, and I'm going to get more stories out of you, obviously about, about the whole, uh, you know, the work you did with, with the prime ministers and then what you went on to do. And then the transition, obviously, to paramedicine. Um, but we need to do song four. <laughs> oh, boy. Two hours and 44 minutes, um, uh, which is great. And, and by the way, as, as, as you may have heard me say, I'm, this is my podcast. No, I, I don't have a, a producer or, or, or someone saying, you can't be, you know, this, this is what it is. I want to record your story mm. unimpe- you know, unhindered by uh, constraints of time. Other than, you know, obviously what's pertinent to your situation, your day. Uh, but we better talk about John Mellencamp. Mm. Um, now, okay, so you've said John Mellencamp, 2001, Peaceful World, Cutting Heads album. Love lots of John Mellencamp songs. The relevance to justice, fairness and race issues resonates. Interesting. Is this, now I, I can I can imagine that this could, refer to uh anything from your childhood to your work in the police to work as a paramedic and and on and and, and what we do now in the horse racing industry mm. but what are you thinking of in particular with with when you when you made a statement like that and it's like clearly australia is has got just as much racial tension that keeps popping its head up mm-hmm. it would never pops down no, i guess no, it's no. always there mm-hmm. and the film clip for, for this song is um, really worth seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, like, you look at John Mellencamp and you look at his history musically, mm. Midwest, redneckish, but not. Um, he's had a few marriages, um, has, uh, is obviously... A great musician mm. and a great lyricist, mm-hmm. um, but that song in particular, unfortunately, never goes out of fashion mm. because the idea for a peaceful, fair world, or the you know, to extend it to recognition of something like climate change, which flows to peaceful, sure. fulfilling world for our children and grandchildren mm. and yet it just disappoints you mm. no end mm. and you look back at that and you look at when that was and that song came out just before 9-11 and how that changed a lot in the world but didn't mm. necessarily change mm-hmm. a lot in mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I look at him and I, I sort of look at that artist and who he was singing it with, with India Arya. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, great singer, great singer. And I fell in love with her. She's gorgeous. And yeah. she's 
Yeah. I get it. You get all emotional like the, I, about it because yeah. she is such a proud woman. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she was a great representation at that time, albeit she wasn't a big star or anything like that. Um, but she was a proud woman. Mm. And how that group of the American society, which is repeated all around the world, mm. just as bad in the UK mm. as it is in Australia, yep. where, or China, and and it. Okay. It's well, very very emotional in. I can see that, Cassie. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't expect you to become so emotional on, on this particular issue, and I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, this isn't an Andrew Denton uh, where, 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 where 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 it seems like every single interview the 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 the, yeah. the, the interview will, will will weep at one stage. But um, I mean, it, okay, you fell in love with India Ari, but there's something else going on there with you. This this uh, sense of injustice uh, for minorities being treated unfairly. Yeah, perhaps your own. Say I'm, I'm correct. Yeah, your bullying experience, maybe that, your childhood. Um, yeah, like I ended up finding out, and you know, it's it's a it's a painful people to someone um, issue to um, uh, to to my older son Nathan, and uh, and also in particular to to Jeanette that I ended up having, um, you know, sort of a, a not quite a one night stand thing, but a mm. a, a, a sort of casual relationship with mm. um, what ended up being another son that was uh, born um, about five weeks after my first son was. And that's another story in itself because Jeanette had uh, – Nathan was born in Canberra Good at um, Woden Valley Hospital, which is now Canberra Hospital. Yeah. And um, the staff couldn't believe it when they got italics and flowers sent from Malcolm and Tammy Fraser, <laughs> not from Prime Minister or anything, and they – and they wouldn't believe it was the same Malcolm and Tammy Fraser that was the Prime Minister. And Nathan was born when there was an election campaign on, so they allowed me to stay and work in the intelligence um, area, department sort of thing in Canberra, organising and overseeing the intelligence for the election campaign that year. But mm. they didn't feel they sent this beautiful big bunch of flowers to um, when he was born in there. But on that other side of it was I found out years later uh, when uh, Andrew was uh, 15 that um, that he was uh, conceived in Canberra and um, and you did, so you had since no knowledge of him until until he was 15. Vague knowledge, but no certain knowledge. Um, and his mum uh, Sharon, she she went to New Zealand, so she was very conscious that what had happened, and you know you could argue the whole thing that. Perhaps it was her intent or whatever coming down. Mm. She was from northern Queensland mm. and that was up just north of Cairns that I'd first met her when I was oh. up there with Fraser. Right. Um, no attraction, no anything. I got no idea how it ended up all happening that led to Andrew. But in the end, he's, uh, he's a wonderful person. He's about two metres tall and, right. he's, uh, and she's um, Indigenous from quite a good, uh, well... Right. Uh, Big family in um, uh, around Cooktown Way, right? And things okay. from Cairns. Okay. So uh, Andrew's 
gone on and he's done really well and we're having Christmas with them this year over in um, Margaret River and Swan Valley. So we're going to meet up with them in Perth with their little daughter, Georgia. Andrew's uh, daughter, Georgia. Yeah. Good Lord. So Andrew and Michelle and uh, like it's, uh, it just adds another thing to the, to the big, uh, to the life. Because I've, you know, like, Obviously, I've so Nathan was first born, then Katie and and Brianna, and now with um, with Angela and Olivia, Lynn's two girls who are just like my two girls. Yes, yep. And um, you know they're, um, yeah. Every one of them I've been really lucky, even though I'm not religious. I do feel very blessed from um, to have such. Um, Really good kids that have all really done well, and they're all nice people. <laughs> I bet Maybe they, they are. got the nice genes. I, or bet, they, I bet but, they are. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Yeah. So Gosh, that just right. adds that other level to. Do you think? Do you think the race side, the yeah. justice, fairness, and and even a later song that you're going to listen to, we're going, everyone's going to listen mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. Um, about cracks and light getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how we're all sort of a bit that way. Gee, John, you just—you're uh, not making this easy, are you? On, on the on your poor interviewer. Um, where to begin? Where to begin? Okay. So, do you think you, uh, any or all, are any or all of your children and stepchildren aware that you're doing this? Uh, this interview today? No, none of them. Uh, not really. Like I think Angela would know because Angela yeah. still lives with us at the moment, mm-hmm. and. Um, would you but like- it's been an interesting thing. Look, um, it, it's it's like anything that, um, and I think what's come up today as well is we never talked about much in our family when I was a kid growing right. up. Right. Yeah. In that you would, it's nearly like embarrassing, scratch your head thing to think, well, how wouldn't have you known more about your dad and the war yep. and things? I hear that Maybe all the time. Maybe it was a generational thing. I hear that all thing, the time. Or- yep. mm-hmm. I hear that all the time. And, and um, uh, yep, I, think, I sense it was. I sense that uh, a, lot, a lot of the time that things were just literally too painful to revisit for mm. these poor men and women that went through these things. And it was just better that it was, you know, the, the current thing is we must talk about everything, right? I don't think there's any evidence that that's any better than not talking about everything, you know? Mm, I I, I just don't know. And Mm. I don't think anyone does because it's a relatively new phenomenon. But I get that a lot. And as I've said to you, one of the reasons I wanted to do this was to record my father's voice and my mother's voice and and their stories, not just for me, but for my children, et cetera. And it goes on and on. And to do the same for friends. So to have your voice recorded for your family. Um, Because I think sometimes in... um, in it, and and music, as we know, is 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 the key that unlocks so many emotional sort of doors. And you know, I think it's important uh, sometimes for loved ones to hear um, the regard that they're held in by by their other loved ones. Because you know, if you're standing around making, you know, you're getting the turkey ready or whatever. Hey, mate, just wanted to tell you, I really love you. Okay. Mm. That doesn't always happen, does it? There's no, it doesn't. The, the right time, the right vibe, you know, same page. Um, I thought that was beautiful, the way that you uh, spoke um, of Andrew, and I'm uh, I'm fascinated to hear more about that. Maybe what you and I will talk about that when we when we hope hopefully work a lot more together. And I've got yes. to keep on at you about that. By the way, I'm trying to get John to not stop working with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, okay. So much to ask about that. Right. 
So the so I I know the uh, the communities reasonably well from 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 ironically flying in and out of some of the Aboriginal communities mm. all around uh, Cooktown, Woodjaw Woodjaw, and um, um, gosh, twenty years ago now the names escape me. Mm. Um, as I said to you, some of the most beautiful, beautiful for me parts of the world, mm. Australia certainly. Um, what an incredible chapter in your in your life. Um, so John Mellencamp. Did we say enough about why you chose that? I think we did. <laughs> did we? Should we listen to it? And, and the song says itself. Too. Okay. I'd better listen to the lyrics, hadn't I? Have a 
John and I were just discussing the, discussing the, uh, the, the, the official secrets act and uh, <laughs> how much we can reveal. Um, okay. And uh, I hope everybody uh, got from that relatively brief exchange of, uh, of information uh, just what a powerful story chapter in uh, no, I mean story within the biggest story of your life that was. I mean, it's just mm. this this podcast is for so many reasons uh, a privilege for me, and and moments like that, you know, I'll I'll I'll, I'll float along all week, you know, because of what just happened here, you know. And I'll, I just wanted to, I wanted to acknowledge it, and, and I wanted to thank thank you as well for for being willing to uh sort of go there with 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 us with me you know to talk about it it's, it's powerful stuff mate okay now you I, I, look you just go where, where, where are we now where are we let's you want, do you want to talk a little bit about uh bob hawk or do we want to stay with fraser for a bit um probably just the other very interesting um part which again is is still so surreal when you even look back at it and you were there and you did it mm. was just how things move so quickly. Mm. Like I was saying, from that time down at Nareen, the farm in uh, Western District of Victoria that the Frasers had, mm. um, when I ended up staying on for that period of time, his assigned detail at that time would come down with him. Like I said, I'd shoo the sheep off the, <laughs> the landing strip and, um, you know, drive them back into the farm and yeah. uh, try and find my way around and not look like an idiot. Yeah. And um, so I ended up getting along really well yep. with uh, George Davidson, who was the uh, detective inspector in charge of the squad. Okay, uh, George, lovely guy, uh, Scottish background yep. from the UK. And um, so he sort of took a liking to me, Mrs. Fraser, um, and, uh, you know, she's such a lovely, sincere person, mm. um, you know, and, and I was only the same age as their oldest son mm. um, with Mark and um, mm. and not much different, so roughly around the same age as Mark and Angela, the two older ones, mm. and there's Hugh and Phoebe, four children. Four children, had. yep. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty well their ages. So mm. I got along really well with the kids. Mrs Fraser one night sort of stayed up to the early hours of the morning because I was meant to stay up at the house mm. for the night mm. when they were there and I'd just sort of, you know, sort of nod off on the couch or things in mm. the den and... And she stayed up one night talking, you know, just such a such a wonderful person. And mm. um, what a privilege! What a oh, beautiful, incredible thing privilege. Experience. And and I don't think <clears throat> I think most. She was very highly regarded, mm. Mrs. Fraser, by um, by all Australians and and obviously a lot of overseas people. What were the? Um, I'm guessing that was he was he a, a legal background? Him and and both Gough Gough William and him were they both lawyers in? in Past lives before they became politicians. Uh, pretty sure I could check that. I don't know. Um, Malcolm was he was Oxford. I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, and look, Bob, I should know. I sort of like as I looked at. Um, you mean he went to Oxford, Oxford University? Yeah, to, to and do... over there, well, pretty well politics. Oh, is that PPE? So he got yeah, you know, uh, that is. Yep. Uh, involved and um, 
Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that like the, from the training over there and because he was quite young as well when he was okay. elected as a member for Wannan. Okay. So perhaps he was almost a career politician. Um, and Bob Hawke, he was a Rhodes Scholar, wasn't he? he went Rhodes to, Scholar. So he went to, he went to Oxford, yeah. I think, as well. P- PPE is this, for those that don't know, it's almost a um, sort of training school for politicians. Mm. You know, they it's, it's, so it's philosophy, politics and economics, PPE, at Oxford. But for anyone that's interested, you can look it up and just see how many people have done that course and then gone on to be, you know, statesmen and, and world leaders. It's mm. sort of... Um, okay, so, and I, I was just going to actually ask uh, if Mrs. Fraser had a, um, you know, a job before being Prime Minister's wife, or uh, well, look, I'm not sure on mm. that. Mm. And uh, all I know is her side of the family, the Beggs, wonderful people too, because mm. we went and visited. They were um, farmers mm-hmm. uh, near Hamilton, oh. and um, you know. Very well regarded people, the Beggs. Just good country people. And uh, good country people, um, merinos for the merino wool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they were, yeah, very well known in the district. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure on Mrs Fraser what sort of uh, studies and things mm. that she had done. Uh, and they're now living on the Mornington Peninsula. Oh. Well, obviously, um, obviously, Malcolm Fraser's you know, passed away, mm. but... Um, Mrs. Fraser's still down there, oh, right. and and I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure Angela, their oldest daughter, uh, is uh, is down on the peninsula and that as well. Spoke, I've never. When did you speak no, no, Never spoke. Like it's it's that story of my life. I moved through the different phases, and it's um, you know, and I get sort of well, occasionally whipped by by my first wife with Jeanette, the first love of my life, and mm-hmm. um, uh, saying. You know, because she's seen them down there because she works down that way as well. Yeah. Um, that I should make a bigger effort and perhaps I'll, I should make a bigger effort. But, it's uh, finding time, isn't it? And uh, how many... You know, it's those a, segments. And right. It's a little bit like that early history of how you learn to survive when you move so much sure. as a child through sure. school, through mm-hmm. you'd find friends, you'd lose friends, you had to find more friends. Um, it seemed to be my survival tactic of, and that was never any offence meant to any of the people, yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was no insincerity in the friendships you had at the times. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the way you just managed to survive in the unusual life career that I've had. Harden the heart and move on, right? I mean, you know. Yeah. Without any disrespect. Without any disrespect, no. No, no, along but, the way. Yeah. You, you know, um, you do have to develop some kind of, uh, you know, um, self-protection, uh, you know, to move on and, and you know, um, make your way in the world without continually sort of missing people, you know, mm. feeling a sense of bereavement that others, that you're not seeing people anymore. It's, it's hard. Um, okay, so do we do we move on to Bob Hawke? Um Probably just to get to there was they sent me off because I got along well with the family. Uh, two were leaving the squad for family reasons that they were getting off. So there was two vacancies on the squad. So they set up a um, a VIP protection course, which mm-hmm. was done at Singleton Army Base, mm-hmm. which was part of the infantry training and 
the home to the pioneers, which did all of the um, uh, unexploded ordnance and oh. um, explosives and things like that, which is obviously related to a number of assassinations that had happened around the world with um, explosives on cars mm. and um, so we're getting into and special IEDs operations here. and things. So they sent us off, and yeah. um, I was by far the youngest on the course. Uh, I was the most junior in rank, like we had inspectors and senior sergeants and sergeants on it. Yeah, and there was three younger ones, uh, one about my age, or one a bit older. Um, who to all the others thought it was their rite of passage because it was a really well sought after position to yeah. be on the VIP protection squad yep. was seen yep. to be the best job you could possibly have in the federal police at the time. Mm. So a lot of these other people thought there was a degree of entitlement and plus we got paid really well too because mm. the amount of hours we worked. And... Um, and so uh, the course sort of went on there over a number of weeks and I always sort of describe it as a bit of running, jumping and shooting. And um, okay. plus they set up a lot of violent demonstrations where they had the young army recruits as crowd and sure. we had their instructors who were pretty hard-ass people, um, uh, their sergeants, warrant officers who were training these infantry people. Yep. So they would be like pretend assassins and they'd set up all these things to train us in. And yeah. they'd, um, they'd encourage us to go into town, which was in at uh, Singleton or Musselbrook, the towns up in the Hunter Valley. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah Which yeah. is up in where well, it's a great wine region. Of course. And is this where... This is this isn't special forces training uh, home no, base though. It's specifically for federal police, yeah, okay. um, mm -hmm. run by some federal police and the army mm -hmm. to try and cater for what had happened in regards to, well, we were experiencing with Fraser really violent demonstrations, mm. you know, throwing mm. uh, marbles under horses' hoofs and oh, right, um, right, right. Uh, really. It was such an emotional issue for left-wing people in particular yeah. that Gough Whitlam, who was so loved, yeah. was sacked yeah. by... And Malcolm Fraser, without being unkind to someone who I ended up having a lot of time and respect for, mm. um, was not a very well-liked Prime Minister okay. Okay. at that time. Mm -hmm. Since when he lost office to Bob Hawke, yep. he became a lot more respected and... Mm to a lot of his uh, right-wing conservatives, a bit of a traitor to the cause because okay. he became very significant in the South African move from apartheid. Mm. He was classified as an eminent person in mm -hmm. those times yep. and that was probably where he got caught most vulnerable when he had no bodyguards. That was the episode that you may not have heard of no. in the UK, was where he was uh, at a hotel, pretty sure in America, mm -hmm. and he got caught having to go to the desk without his pants on. Oh. And we think it was very much then probably by intelligence services it was a set done up. from... Yeah. It was a honey trap. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, all that, that aside... So, 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 they, so unlike the US, which... Famous, I think famously, uh, once you're a president, you all for the rest of your life you have a security detail. Yes. In those days, you could be an ex prime minister of Australia and and have no security. 
yep. with you. Mm. And only I went back with him a couple of times when we had a live threat that it would had been picked up about an ex-mercenary who had made some threats. And until we could actually find him, arrest him and interview him and take him um, out of, not take him out as you take him out, but take him out of the sphere of being a threat. Yep. Um, So I got sent down to look after him. This is after he had lost office Mm. until such time... I got involved in a couple of raids trying to find this guy. Then I hit the road and went down because he was down at Nareen and then he was going down to go fishing down on the West Coast. Right. So I had to stay with him until we actually um, arrested this guy, brought mm. him in and found out it wasn't a live threat okay. for him and I could leave. Mm. And it was interesting that he thought it finally it dawned on him how naked he felt. Sure. Of having us around annoying the hell out of them by, you know, here it is, a normal family gets all these strangers imposed on them. Um, But, um, yeah, that was sort of after he'd lost office in 83 to Bob Hawke. So we've spoken, uh, you know, you and I, um, I think, you know, and obviously you work with other doctors as well at the races and that, but you and I, I think... pride ourselves on our situational awareness Mm. you know we certainly go out of our way to be you know to hopefully see things before they happen and all that good stuff Mm. how much are you relying on training i guess i'm saying is it nature nurture do you think you know did you always have that capacity to be uh to to have a 360 awareness Mm. to be a watcher to be an observer of which maybe i'm going to tie in with being a loner because because loners are often extremely watchful aren't they Mm. um uh and how much you still when we work together rely you know falling back on uh you know your your training from that period yeah look i i think Perhaps I, I always did have it. Mm-hmm. And it flows into the same thing with ambulance and you know, pre-hospital and, and hospital care of people is it's a caring, but it's also realising there's multifactorial uh, situations mm-hmm. that put people. Yep. And that can be illness or accident. Um, I think, yeah, because like, it's uh, like I think I might have mentioned to you that it's um, it's very it's sort of like I've uh, just about nearly bookend yeah careers yep. by finishing off from ambulance doing what is ostensibly what I was doing with the federal police in looking predicting situations having strategies of what you're going to do about it Absolutely. and making the appropriate moves when you're called upon that's right and and fortunately it seems to work <laughs> oh i can attest to that yeah i i can i can attest to that it's a it's a joy to work with you uh, and you know i'm fascinated by um this stuff you know the, in, 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 i'm fascinated by stories but um i'm 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 very interested when people take their job very seriously. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a certain jockey. We we, we, probably, we we could mention him, but you're going to know who I'm talking about, who we have discussed how he always goes just that little bit extra, that, mm. that little, uh, you know, that, that little 1% here and there, and it's paid off for him. Yes. Huge, big style. And, um, and it's natural, I think. But... Um, it, it, it amazes me 
that more people aren't like you that that because it seems so self-evident that if 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 one takes one's job at, uh if one carries bricks well you know if one spots that um you know uh the uh the um the colleague is perhaps looking more tired or upset than usual or something something you know you can extrapolate it's just a better way to work isn't it absolutely you know it's, it's, uh, what we're saying is being a professional right and 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 you you clearly are that I, I, i'm sort of something's happened to go from uh, this this high flying career at a young age as, as doing all the things that you've spoken of and we haven't mm. spoken even about bob hawk yet and then you just do um a, a, a big jump it seems to me mm. into being a paramedic yeah. um do, do you want to do you want to go into that now is is this the time to talk about that does it tie in with uh, Imagine Dragons in any way? Because we need to get to song. Look, it it does in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, I think that change came about again a situational thing that you had a big career. Um, even once I finished through that period of VIP protection, which finished off with Hawk in an election campaign, mm. so I didn't look after Hawk when he was the elected Prime Minister, mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. the day he was elected was the day that I went, a little bit like they say in ambulance, I went back on the road where I went back to, um, even though in the last sort of couple of years I got based in Melbourne and mm-hmm. I met up with when Fraser was still Prime Minister mm-hmm. to be a little bit more at home. Mm. Um, and in that year we're about to send me off to do another detective specialist course and Jeanette was pregnant with Brianna, my youngest, mm-hmm. and um, and Breeze, I'd sort of uh, thought I could be anywhere in the world sent on a job and I'd been there for all the births for Nathan in Canberra uh, for Katie down at um, Hastings Bush Nursing Hospital oh. and they were still doing deliveries there. Mm. And uh, and so that's when I made the decision that I, I looked and I thought it was, you know, a little bit like that when you get tired and you've got to be revived again. So it's yeah. um, it was yeah. a time of looking and I thought, even though it was a big drop, I'd just been promoted to a sergeant, which yeah. was like a record in those days for my age, which can create some enemies in the job. I imagine. Bit of jealousy. Bit of jealousy. But How it, old were you? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, you. I was 29. Wow. Yeah. Mm. 29 going on 30. So it was 30 when I changed over to, to ambulance, which has ended up being 35 years of it. Um, it's... And that was principally family-wise. And I ended up delivering Brianna at uh, Hastings Bush Nursing oh, Hospital. Cool. Very cool. So the doctor, uh, Graham <coughs> Cato, who was our family doctor from down at Belnaring. And um, and so he sort of said, well, this is what you're going to be doing for a job now. So I ended up um, mm. doing the delivery and all went well and didn't drop her and... <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so been so there's gems ever since. So what I what I what I got from that was that it, it was it was it was just too much time away from your family. Yeah. It was it was dem- the dem- demands on your on your personal life doing that job, which which presumably you were just on this trajectory, and who knows where that ends up? You know, head of the yeah. Australian Federal Police, perhaps, yeah. but it comes at a cost. Um, 
Although ironically, you did join a profession that works shifts. Yes. <laughs> and we both know what that does to a man yes. and a woman, you know, to be a shift worker. But so <clears throat> does this go back a little bit to the wanting to be a doctor? Was that, was that what it Very was about? Very much so. And, um, and through my running, because mm-hmm. um, I continued on with the running and for my age group and uh, I was – and in – uh, lesser, higher scale things. I, I managed to um, to do reasonably well at my running and were fun you, runs, and would win a few or would were you win on track my as age well? group. Were you, were you run on track. Uh, run on track, but only for five thousand, ten thousand. Oh, I did okay. The police games mm-hmm. and would do all right in the in the national police games. Do you remember your PBs at all? Yeah, for um, for uh, for like. 10 kilometres, I'd managed to get down to just under 33. Damn. Um, wow. But I couldn't maintain that. That was probably a little bit like maximum heart rate. You get sure. to a point sure. where sure. with your body size um, and your muscle formation, I don't think I could have trained any harder to have got to, which is probably equal to about B, C grade runner. Mm-hmm. Like A grade runners are running sub thirty for ten k. Well, it, yeah, I did, for everyone it depends, doesn't it? It's, yeah. it's when you, what you're talking about is Olympic standard when yeah. you say A grade. That's yeah. what you mean. Professional run this these days, professional yes. runners and that. But gee whiz, that's a that's a hell of a good time. That's on the road. Uh, that was on the that's road, right. and then ten, so ten k on a track. Did you ten k get- on the track was thirty four and a half. Yeah, right. That I managed to, at the one of the Zadapex. Good. But generally, it was around the thirty-four to what thirty-six. What did you say about The Emil Zadapek. I know it's a ten thousand race that's held every year in about oh. December in was, Australia. In I was going to say when you said yeah. one of the Zadapeks, you yeah. raced against one of the Zadapeks. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, okay. But the race okay. in his name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and the five? Do you remember? And five. All I know is. Now, I'm not 100% on the five again, but I know the tan, you know, the tan run around in Melbourne, around the Botanical Gardens. I've heard, yes, I guess, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the best time I did for a tan lap, which is about, I think it's 3.87 mm, mm. or something, the distance, was um, the fastest one that I had clocked uh, doing around there was 12.48, oh, which good. is probably the fastest I've ever run that day. And running's a funny thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it, can be, it, it can be just that day That's you've right. got it, That's and right. sometimes you can never repeat it. Um, but, uh, and you float, the right? You just float, and it's effortless. And it's you, effortless. And you, and you just float and glide, and it's, it's like nothing you've ever experienced. It is. It's, yeah. a, it's a form of drug in That's right. so many ways. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You just want to get back to that, but then that might be the one time that you ever... Yeah. Yep, that's, that's incredible. Yep, it's a, well, it is... Um, you know, it's like a, it's like a Zen pursuit in some way, isn't it? If you, if, you, if, you, if you put the effort into it and if you get that level of enjoyment. Yeah. And, and I guess that's sort of like... A, or I sort of I'd missed the point of uh, in the running club, the Victorian Road Runners mm. that I was sort of part of. Uh, one of the guys in that, his wife was a doctor at, uh, and she was doing maybe just past her intern, Reg, mm-hmm. Reg Singh, at the emergency department at Dandenong. Oh yeah. 
I talked about her, how I would have always loved to have done medicine yeah. and how I was going to be going away again and yeah. things like yeah. that. And she said, oh, you should join the ambulance service and do right. MICA. She said, you'd be perfect for that. So that sowed a seed and there was a guy who was in the ambulance who I used to see occasionally out surfing down at Point Leo area. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I thought he always seemed to have time off. And he worked a the then 10, 14 roster, the two 10-hour days, two 14-hour nights, and then you have four days off. Right. So um, he used to always seem like he was always off. (laughs) And he said, yeah, yeah, Taps, you'd be great at that. You should do that. So, but when, and I I just flowed and went ahead with it, but it wasn't so simple as it is now. It's not so simple to get the job. So I remember going and there were, we went to RMIT and we had to sit these sort of entrance exams there. There was 350 people in the lecture hall and they said, you're one of two groups of 350 for wow. 12 positions. Wow. So 12 of us out of uh, 700 who were going for it. And, and obviously I managed to get one of those 12 into it. Then I found out just what an incredible pay drop. I was going to say. So Jeanette was incredibly supportive is, is to Jeanette, do that. Jeanette's uh, first she, wife, she, is, yeah. yeah, yeah. Is she is she working? Obviously, she's she's had she was having to do and, uh, odd jobs. Gosh, uh, excuse me, as well as um, um, of of mother of um, mm. of then you have three with a new baby, and yeah, uh, yeah. so look, she made incredible sacrifices and managed our money all pretty well. Mm. So we got got through. All of that. That's a huge um, drop pay job. And plus, you know, big, and plus, it was and plus nearly like about half. The pay nearly oh, half. boy. But it wasn't as dramatic if you did a bit of overtime, which oh. is self-defeating, but at yeah, least okay. you're in the same state. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sometimes people give that example of, gee, you must have had a lot of scary experiences with the federal police. Mm. And I reckon probably the most scariest experience I had was when I was working on the ambulance down the covered Hastings, right down the Mornington Peninsula to Flinders and Cape Shank. Hmm. Um, And we did on call where you were the only person in the ambulance and you responded from your home. Like that still happens in the countryside. Sure. And the Mornington Peninsula was probably sort of countryside then. A lot different to now, right? different to now. And the first night that I was on call, I got sent out to a motorcyclist who had come off his bike up in Red Hill. Mm-hmm. So I got married. So I had to go and find my way up to Red that's, Hill. That's still rural. <laughs> and um, and there's a car with its lights on on mm. the side of the road. I'm just by myself in the ambulance. Go up there in the middle. It was about, I think it was about quarter to 12 at night. Yeah. And the guy said, oh, he's in over the bushes under there. I think he's uh, broken his leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I go, oh, can you show me where he goes? Just in under there. So I went in, saw the guy. He'd slid about oh, 30, 40 metres off where he'd lost the bike. The bike was on the road. He'd gone in under a pine tree. So fortunately, in a way, he was on reasonably soft ground, yeah. but he'd snapped his femur yeah. at, when he'd come off and he'd gone in under there. So I come out to then try and think, gee, how am I going to do this? How are you going to get him out? The guy who had stopped to pull over 
has driven off. Oh. <laughs> now, where the ambulance was was about sort of about eighty meters or more from where he actually ended up. And I parked near where his bike was. Right. Note to anyone born after about nine eight five, there were no mobile phones. <laughs> no okay. mobile phones. <laughs> just just for everyone to be clear about this. Oh, just crazy. And um, oh, dear. So I had to go back and we had these old traction splints, the modified Thomas split. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and our own, we didn't have spine boards then. We had what they call was a Jordan frame, mm. which is a frame that you mm. put these PVC slats the, under. Yeah, the, yeah, the scoop sort of under. Yeah, but often kept popping off all mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. And, and anyway, so I'm all by myself with this guy, having to, then learnt to have to get a relationship with is a bit pissed and so hate relief all we had was pen train in those days oh you did yeah. but it was given via a vaporizer mm. on the then commissar off portable resuscitation kit oh. it was on a stainless steel thing so we had a lot of heavy stuff we had to carry so there's no little green whistle in those days. no little green whistle um so a lot of it ended up being like Matt would say, you know, you you've got to use a lot of other skills as pain relief, not just absolutely, the chemicals. absolutely. And so I had to that night, and then eventually a tow truck turned up. So it was just the two of us got him out from under this tree. Boy. This is with the towy. Got him on. I had to drive him up to Frankston Hospital yeah. just by myself with him in the back. And I thought, wow, all those experiences when we had alarms going off down at. Nareen, and we had to assume each time an alarm went off, yeah. it wasn't a potential assassin yeah, yeah. going to get the prime minister, and we'd be running up with our shotguns and M16s to God. to go up there to investigate the alarm. I'd probably rate that night as much as it was responding to those alarms, yeah. as responding in an ambulance to pick up this guy who'd snapped his femur coming off a bike under a tree, yeah. all by yourself. Yeah. Just, and just, yeah. People are still doing that. Now, I guess that was part of the thing that got me passionately involved with uh, being a union representative because management at those days was so out of touch with what the job yeah. entailed. Things just needed to change, right? And yeah. they certainly did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, the, yeah. Again, we go back to that sort of how much things have moved on in, in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Goddamn, John. Um, <laughs> What are we now? Three hours and 30. That's good. Okay. I think the record's four hours and 20 so far, but, but let, let's see. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. Gosh, don't apologize. Amazing. All right. Imagine Dragons. I did not expect, uh, I don't know like what I expect really. I'm, I never know what to expect really with people, but um, Imagine Dragons, this is this is an, um, an album that's quite recently. 2018, 2000, the Evolve yeah, album. Yeah. yeah. And song whatever it takes yeah is that right and a, f- a few re- you have to listen to the lyrics in this one too. <laughs> again <laughs> resonates with the surrealness of life and motivations also the contradictions hmm. so this is this is this is this is the uh the metaphysical philosophical side of yourself coming out this is the so this is the internal life the rich internal dialogue that you have that and the whole thing that the uh the line of uh the adrenaline in my veins is um, touches on another big subject, which um, we'll see if we get into (laughs) or not, but I think we've got time is, um, and it mentions horse racing too. Ah. 
So it's, we definitely it's probably very that. current, so need to listen to the lyrics. Okay. Listeners. <laughs> Listeners, yeah. <laughs> Falling too fast to prepare for this Tripping in the world could be dangerous Everybody circling as vultures Negative, nepotist Everybody waiting for the fall of man Everybody praying for the end of times Everybody hoping they could be the one I was born to run, I was born for this Whip, whip, run me like a racehorse Pull me like a ripcord Break me down and build me up I wanna be the slip, slip Word upon your lip, lip Rather that you rip, rip Break me down and build me up Whatever it So, 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 what was that? So, what did you mean then? So, the adrenaline. What, what part of the story are we talking about with the adrenaline in the veins? Then, what's that? Yeah. Look, I, I guess a lot of people 
mm-hmm. a lot of people know but doesn't necessarily get talked about too much in in 2011 um, some of these themes all came to a to a head where I had a uh, I suppose the want of the old term is a, is a breakdown oh. and ended up spending about six weeks in a um, in a uh, private psychiatric hospital right um, and it's uh, it was probably that whole combination of years and years of at the time not enough sleep I'd overperceived problems with um, uh, with with Lynn, one of my daughters, mm. and mm. there wasn't actually a problem there, but mm. because of how tired and run down I was, Gosh. the intensity of the work I'd had in Micah of, yep. um, and and as you know, my reputation since being with the races is probably the highest workload of of, of dramatic falls. Oh um, well, yeah. yeah. But it's um, and we should just say as well. Sorry, we're, yeah. we're, I'm assuming my, everyone knows what Micah is, but because because yeah. I know what it is, we should we should, you should just just sorry, please just let everyone know what Micah means in terms of um, paramedics. Uh, Micah in, in the name <coughs> is mobile intensive care ambulance. Mm-hmm. So a Micah paramedic is a, a, a mobile intensive care ambulance paramedic. Uh, Micah is a Victorian thing that started back in the early 1970s in Melbourne. Uh, by a then cardiologist, Dr. Graham Sloman. Hmm. And uh, that was the first introduction of um, a specialist trained paramedics pre-hospital to deliver um, the first monitor defibrillators into it. So in other words, that's it's the peak of the the paramedic um, tree. It's the top, it's the the sort of most highly trained... uh, for obvious reasons, you're, you're responding on your own, often in a fast response vehicle. So you've got to be very comfortable with very advanced uh, pre-hospital resuscitation techniques and everything else. Ago. So just, just, I just needed to clarify because I, I suddenly remembered that there were other people that would be listening to this, not yes. just me and you. Okay, and sorry. And I think most know the term intensive care paramedic. I think yep. they're they're very widespread. Yeah. nearly every country probably now the degrees of training um supervision accountability retraining ongoing training varies mm. from country to country yep but um it, we're pretty highly regarded i think, I think so. in victoria I think so. Yeah. so sorry and and so 2011 there's a confluence of events as you're describing mm-hmm. probably maybe it's an overused fact ptsd you know, cumulative effects of years of shift work, uh, exposure to human tragedy and suffering. Um, you know, you've, you've been, we've already heard politically active. I can only imagine that, yes. that exacted a toll, uh, took a bird, you know, as a burden, um, complex family issues. Uh, um, and then with one, with one daughter in particular, you said. Yeah. And that was not real. It was probably more in my head at the time. Mm. And, um, and it's sort of, I think that, because it's, I think most sort of mental breakdowns uh, to the point where you become so flat, you are so in another air, 
not in real life. Mm. Um, you're quite depressed. Yeah. Um, yet there's lots of terms thrown around in it. Sure. Um, the degrees of build-up of anxieties. Yes. Uh, which are, you know, just that inability to manage your autonomic nervous system. It's a Absolutely. natural thing. Absolutely. You know, like I always argue the thing is um, uh, people get anxious from anxiety. Um, and that's a natural fight flight response. That's right. That they're highly um, conscious of, which only makes it worse. That's right. So you're not sure whether you're going into the flight, whether you're going into the fight, mm -hmm. but you, you're all caught up with what triggered the alarm. And, and everyone's it. different that's in right. where that phase of the autonomic nervous system kicks in. Mm to what it's doing physiologically to mm. you that you can consciously over-concentrate on a phase of that that makes it an inevitable outcome? Does that make... It makes a lot of sense to me. I understand. Physiological sense? I, yeah. I, I, you know, um, I'm not sure sometimes whether it's, whether it's a good or bad thing to be aware of the, the chemistry, you know, just, to, just the words autonomic nervous system to a lot of people would mean nothing. Yes. Uh, like everyone knows what being scared is, what, what being anxious is, but but what the, the sort of build up that you're talking about, that that the fight or flight thing, after all, is is a primal response when cornered or threatened. Mm. And therefore how to navigate that primal surge in, in, in emotion when you can't fight or flight is is I'm I'm guessing uh what leads to whatever you want to call it, breakdown, uh, burnouts, you know, um, you know, explosion. So how, how long did yours take and how did you become aware of it and, and how did you know how to, what to do about it? Um, you had the increasing <coughs> awareness of it, yet you have a degree of, and, and I think where a lot of it comes back and, and probably in talking what we've talked about up until now is that um, if there's a heightened level of expectation mm -hmm. and... It's a bit of a, a rod for the back for the liked, nice guy. Okay, yeah. That there's a degree of expectation. Yeah. That, and that you can help everyone. That's right. I can take and, it. And in the I union job, the political yeah, job, in yeah. the police job, in even at school, mm. people went to you to solve problems. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say you were, you know, scholastically you weren't the brightest person, but... You were regarded by others as a good person to go to. Yeah. And my whole life has been that of people going expectations, you'll fix it all, you'll solve it. Mm. And in many ways you you've had a good history of doing that. But it all caught up with me. And I guess that's what the cycle of a lot of people with um degrees of, of mental illness is um the inability to meet that expectation, mm. thinking Geez, you've pretty well done it all. Maybe you've let some people down. You have some regrets on some of your obvious regrets. You have guilt for things. Yeah. And when your body is so run down, yeah. like you are on a 1014 roster, when you're a clinical instructor with maybe a difficult student or two, mm -hmm. um, you feel the service lets you down when they don't know you're about to explode That's right. from you haven't processed just a traumatic thing, whether that be mm. 
declaring someone dead in a twisted up form. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to get into too much gruesome details, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you could imagine in a train accident where someone's gone under and they've tumbled right. and they've rolled. That's and right. But someone's got to get under there and say they're actually dead because we have had a few that have been still alive momentarily mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it looks a bit embarrassing if you haven't gone and That's done right. all the right processes. That's, right. That's why the processes are there. And then you do it and then they're on to you and they're calling you to go and do another job and, and you just think, I can't do this That's anymore. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and then you get flat and then you think, well, I don't have any desire to live anymore. Mm. And it becomes... When you're not caught in that so- in that downward spiral or that cycle of things, then how could people want others to suffer by you not wanting to live anymore? Yeah, is obviously what your treatment is. But it's it was look at it, I can look back at it now as an interesting phase in your life, mm. and how probably. The biggest achievement that I'd look back in my life for me, perhaps, mm. is mm. that I managed to get back up. Yeah, right. And I managed to have good support structures, obviously, forever indebted to Lynn in her support. Um, Did you, where, where, sorry, where, 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 um, at what point in your story does, does Lynn enter? Yeah, in um, in two thousand and four, right? Okay. Uh, while I was at Micah two, um, at the Alfred, and okay. uh, she was a, uh, a, a an associate nurse unit manager at Cabrini ED. Yep. Uh, I hadn't actually met her before, but I got um, the hint came up from another <laughs> paramedic, and I got the courage to ring her, and um, we met up for a coffee, and there's been no looking back for the last fifteen years. And I'd, I'd longest talk, place I'd, I've ever lived. Yeah. Uh, not quite hasn't caught up to Jeanette, who happens to be a really good friend with good. Lynn. They're very, good. very tight friends. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, and uh, I'm. You look back at that, and I think coming out of that real uh, cloud, because which are you talking about Jeanette, the, the, time, no, about the relationship in, in ending a, in with, a uh, pine lodge down at Dandenong, the psychiatric hospital oh sorry right yep mm-hmm. coming out of that period like six weeks is that's yeah. longer than most of your leave periods yeah and it's uh, a long time so obviously they were concerned enough until i came out of that fog of a cloud and then built myself back up to going and gee working to a really high level who, 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 um, okay, so, okay, so just, just timelines, uh, so when did your relationship, um, with Jeanette end? Uh, that ended in 1994. Okay. And so you were, we don't need to go to, but 2004, you're available, essentially. And, yeah. And Lynn... had, had another very short term midlife crisis, marriage to a younger woman in okay. the, in, in in between, but that would just go off down too many other okay. pathways. Um, I hope uh, everyone can. And, and, and like uh, <laughs> yeah. Mir- Miriam, I, I wouldn't change it at okay. all. She was a fantastic okay. person who I got nothing but the highest regard to, but was probably never going to go anywhere. Okay. Um, but it was a privilege to um, take the risks and be involved for the short period. Well said. <laughs> Nicely put. Um, uh, but, but, okay. So, so you and I, have, I've, I've yet to meet her, and I'd love to meet Lynn one day, now you've yes. met Tina especially. Yes. Um, uh, but 
does she see things spiraling before you uh, at least consciously know that things are spiraling? Is she uh, spiraling? Is she one of the people that's that said, "Hey, you know, you're really in trouble here." Yeah, in they're very much so. Of you know, and it's uh, the classic story that you've probably had sort of uh, many uh, um, highlighted to in gathering a history of people in that acute state mm. um, of, um, you know, unable to get up off the couch and yeah. being unbelievable, gone past the point of being un- unbelievably tired to the point where you can't really sleep because yeah. you don't care and, um, and, and to the point of starting to formulate a plan yeah. of what you're going to do um, and she's picked up on that and she's accelerated things because I've been in a bit of a, a fog of the whole uh, reality around you. Yeah. And, and you're, uh, still, you're still going to work? You're still going? Uh, no. no. Stop going to work. But, um, and then good GP who was really worried about me. Um, I had a great uh, um, Dr. Anna Mogileski who was a psychiatrist who I saw who mm. was um, fantastic and... And she sort of highlighted to me that once you got better, she'd go, this isn't you. Don't get involved because it's a whole right. industry. Right. You go to these places and you right. go to all the training sessions. You go to – you sit around in the lounge rooms. Yeah. And she said, don't get used to this. Oh, this is not you. Okay. Okay. You know, this is not you. Okay. You know? and, what, a, um, what a great thing – what a wonderful thing to say. Oh, she is an incredibly insightful person. That's a very – that's a really powerful, brilliant um, – thing to say to someone who is in trouble you know, yeah at a low ebb this is not you this is not don't, this is not the rest of your life this is not this this will change things will get better and they did and i got back and operated to as high a level as you could operate to mm. there's people who were clinically dead who are out there walking around and producing children That's and right. and um you know lots of people who have got a lot of extra lives mm. you know Lovely. By by, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that the next microparamedic wouldn't have done exactly the same job. But, no, 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 no. And no. Uh, but it's nonetheless you were on that shift and timings, all that stuff. Oh boy, know, and the and outcomes. look, the ripple effects or butterfly effect, what you want to call it, it's not even just the, uh, not just the, it's not merely the, um, what do you want? To, you know, the the the, the big life saving. Mm. It's the little tiny. Uh, who knows what what a kind word said said to somebody did for them? It's the Frank Capra thing, right? It's yeah. a beautiful life that film, you know, yeah. isn't it? Take us take you out of an equation. Sure, you've I know what you've done um, as a as a microparamedic um, in 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 extreme circumstances, but gee, who knows? Having a conversation with someone while you're waiting to offload someone in an mm. emergency department, what what that did for that person, or yeah. and you can take it, or, or what. Somebody listening to your story now can potentially get from it as well. The you know we such a huge, huge thing to talk about, and it does make me wonder what we said about Second World War and the way mm. veterans dealt with things or did not deal with things, and um, and whether we're talking about it's good or not. 
humans are it's complex stuff right life's complex stuff it really is and through that like the the diagnosis was uh, bipolar too mm-hmm. and and I've always half joked but it's probably more true than a joke that there's not many politicians or union leaders who don't suffer from bipolar who would right. be diagnosed as having bipolar right. it just goes with the nature of the event the non-stop thing the media the um Talk about expectation. Being a union leader, the amount of expectation, because oh. you'll never win with everyone. Of course, so trying of course. to get the best outcome. Um, yeah, look, it, it's 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 been an interesting uh, ride, but falling off your bike as like you got your broken leg, for mm-hmm. instance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, is you're forced to reevaluate, rebuild. Yeah, how do you get through this? And, yeah. and luckily, I had good supports. I got good, like Lynn's the right person to give you the uh, appropriate hug or the appropriate slap mm. Mm. <laughs> to, to yeah. get, oh, gosh. get yeah. out of yeah. this, you know. What would we do without, without yeah. people like, you know, strong women, strong men, you know? Um, it's, it's powerful stuff. I, I, I sort of wonder. You know, there's that there's, there's that cliche, isn't there? About hey, guess what? The, um, if you don't work, the the hospital still runs. Mm. You know, the ambulance service still continues, yes. isn't it? You know, and you go, oh, actually, yeah, it does. Yeah. You know, um, like not not you sort of. I'm not going against what we just said about making a difference in people's life, but clearly the point I'm making is that you you have to care for the carers, um, and it's no good to anyone if you're not if you're not working. You know, yeah. you you know, uh, if the car's out of if the car's out of petrol. You got to put some more fuel in the tank, don't yeah. you? You know, it's not getting you anywhere. I'm, I'm just this is sounding so cliche, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. You mm. have to take time away um, when when you can't when you've got nothing else to give. But the the trick is spotting when when that point is, isn't it? And having the right people around, yes, the right supports, and in the end, it's listening. To those good one-liners that mm. someone had come out with, mm. Mm. you know, it's like uh, another sort of line from from Dr. Anna Mogilevsky was um, she goes, "I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for grief, uh, for um, uh, for um, guilt." Oh. Mm-hmm. And she says, "Look, it's the biggest thing." Guilt. She's going, God, you know. Yeah. And so she gave. She sounds me, very very. She smart. was a lovely lady. She sounds so clever. And and she just sort of hit me around. She's going. She goes. You may think, because I said, look, you know, when you're obviously not feeling you wanted to keep living, um, she would sort of say, you may think people will move on. She's going, let me tell you right now that Mm. I am still seeing people from 20 years ago who will never move on because they blame themselves. Mm. Mm. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's... and like outside the fog, everyone does feel it's a really selfish act, someone taking their oh, own I see, life. I see, I see, I see. And what she's saying is <clears throat> she keeps seeing the children, the partners, the parents as a result of that. And most people at that stage think, well, I'm doing a favour to everyone because I'm so miserable, I'm so hopeless. 
you know, I've let everyone down, you know, and it's all the woe is me things to the unaffected people. But when you're in that fog, you don't see the reality of that. Mm. All you can see is how miserable you feel mm. and how worthless you are. And, and you, know, you talk about the luck and the great life I've had. You know, it's just ridiculous that you could ever feel that you felt that way. Yeah, but these things are not quantifiable. These are not, these are not, you can't say, um, you know, whatever, th- you think of the most blessed person from the from a distance, you got no idea what's going on in their head. No. You know that this is this is the whole point of it um, that this shift in society, which is a good thing, to a, a long way ago. But just say this is an illness, this is an illness just like diabetes, mm. just like cancer, just like any other, just like a broken leg. Uh, just because you can't see the the mind, um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's just a, it's just such a terribly um, difficult subject to approach because everyone's got their own experience of reality to use yeah. your word and you've come back to that a few times you know the way that we move through the world and what what we think and what we feel and just hearing that uh, on the news coming here this morning was um, one of the um, Afghanistan veterans who mm. was the first whistleblower and was interviewed right. by the ABC right. in regards to some of the um, killings of um, suspects and that in Afghanistan right. and how um, he took his own life recently and right. and the whole issue that they think the federal government will hold a Royal Commission into the suicide rates of um, veterans. Yeah. And, you know, here it is, he's done everything and you heard the interview and how he spoke about it and the effects, but uh, the scars were too oh. deep to heal and um, and felt for his exposure and mates turning on him for exposing, you don't talk about right. that outside the theatre right. of war. Right. Um, and he's obviously seen that nothing's been done about it even if he's given up on himself, which he obviously gave up on himself. Well, that 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 um, that's that lack of uh, <clears throat> you know that's one of the so what is you know with burnout what is it depersonalization cynicism loss of compassion loss of empathy these things they're they're all you know they're all they're all signposts mm. right to to no one would choose to have any of those things happening to them. Um, I mean, I've heard recently, you know, this whole thing about drone pilots, you know. Mm. Uh, that's starting to be a thing, yep. you know. When it when it when it when it occurs to them, they're not they're not playing a computer game, mm. you know. That thing is flying and actually loosing a, a sidewinder or whatever mm. it, the missile is. Uh, was, you know, you just need you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the doctor who you mentioned that you know you just need an, a, 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 you know, not to not to diminish uh, Lynn's role, of course, but gee, you just. Talk about luck. I don't know about luck, but you just you just need someone, don't you? That mm. there's this line. Uh, neither of us are religious, but there's this line in the Bible. What is it? Something like, "Come unto me, all all you who are heavy laden, and I will mm. give you rest." And I love that. You know, I love that. We all need that person sometimes. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in that, like you say, some of the signs of of mental illness and breakdown, but. 
I still couldn't help myself while mm. I was in a Pine Lodge. One of the inpatients has <laughs> right. uh, has a tonic clonic seizure right. at the uh, cafeteria right. there. So my first instincts, I go over and take control and get people to ring, and and then obviously the crew comes in and goes, "What are you mm. doing in here?" Because people were quite respectful and to me, and I, I everyone don't knows think you, it right? Got displayed yeah. a lot of what had happened to me. But, did they? Uh, did they? Did so? Was it? Kept a relative secret. Yeah, the, 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 it, it appears that way from mm. what I know. Mm. You know? Um, mm. But um, it was just interesting that even in that place where you've, oh, you're repairing, a repairing of course, person of with, uh, from going from lost hope, that you still started taking interest in the other mm. Impatience of their yeah. problems, and you're thinking, and then that's what she whipped me about. She said, "You got to get out of here, you know. <coughs> oh, right, you're right, through right. it now." Yeah, and sure. then like initially, I got out in three weeks, and then I had a bit of a, I fell back into a hole again, and so back in for another three weeks, and um, and that was uh, all good, and uh, and where mm. I, I am now, and um, and you still look, you still struggle with that. Um, levels of anxiety you'll get at times, yep. which just fascinates me, that yep. whole mm -hmm. neurological process that is causing the butterflies in your yes. stomach, everything that's designed to make the species survive. Sometimes they're not always in good harmony and balance. And, um, and then I spoke to this lady, she's quite... She's quite clever too, a kinesiologist. She's um, an Israeli woman who's pretty over the top in, in her area and field. But she's going, it's all just fight, flight. <laughs> and she said, look, just work out your strategies that keeps you calm and keeps you in that ideal mm. physiological mm. position to number one, recognise what's triggered this. Mm. Is it real that's triggering mm. it? And get back in control. And mm -hmm. it's sort of what mindfulness is all that's based right. on. You yeah. go for all yeah, that CBT right. stuff and all the things with it. But fundamentally, it's recognising that this is a physiological thing to keep you surviving. Mm. Don't let it kill you. That's right. The thing is that, you know, men mental illness and, and, and an acute psychosis or, you know, a, a deep depression and, you know, they're, they're, you can you can rationalise things all you want. But these things are powerful. This is brainstem stuff. This is not mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex stuff. So, you know, someone's saying to you, look, you know, you just need to breathe. You know, that's not that's not always going to work, right? <laughs> and, 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 and probably, I don't know, I don't, and, and certainly we don't need to go any deeper into this but uh you know something has to make sense to you as an individual doesn't it? so the penny has to drop in some way or or, yep. or or antidepressants have to work or or something or therapy whatever it is or transcendental meditation or whatever um but something has to the penny has to drop for you because mm. otherwise it would be the sort of verbal equivalent of saying just pull yourself together right <laughs> which was the old way yeah wasn't it just pull yourself together um, now it's uh, just breathe. Mm. You know, it's, well, okay, I know. Okay, I, I, I know mindfulness is a good thing, and it's mm. and and meta analysis have proven that it's a good yeah. thing. But one still has to 
have a personal uh, penny drop or something. Spot on. Yeah. Spot on. Oh, boy. Okay. Sorry for transgressing on the other things. No, God. For that, but I, I felt it's, number one, I had to feel right to talk about it. Sure. But it is something that happened and it is me and it is so many other people yes. in not just emergency services, in every job profession. Of course. Where expectations can exceed what you believe your capacity to deliver is. Yeah. I, look, I, I always say, that, you know, show me someone whose job it is to pack coat hangers into boxes mm. in a factory and I'll show you stress. Mm. You know what I mean? So true. <sighs> right. And I would direct anyone else that, that, um, that, we, that we, I've, I've, I've discussed, <clears throat> discussing this with you now uh, reminds me of, of speaking to Mark Fuquay, who's a guy who built one of those guitars there. Wow. I'll show you this, this the one, uh, if you can see behind the one that's sort of all wood, there's one with three. Yes. Uh, genius guitar builder in North Carolina. Looks like a Gibson. So right, right. Is it, which the, is the one following. Yeah, exactly. The red one. <laughs> exactly. So a couple in front of that. Yeah. <laughs> Not to, uh, the thousand that I've got next to uh, me. Anyway, just to mention that he, during his, in the course of his interview, um, sp spoke to uh, depression and mental illness and passionately, passionately uh, put forward the case for it, you know, not being treated appropriately mm. uh, in, in the minds and in the conversations from other people. And it's a different discussion I've just had with you. Um, but why, why did you, you, you apologize for digression. I think you just said with your words. I mean, don't be ridiculous. This is your story, John, you know? It's um, true. Thank you. Okay. Now we are going to, I'm, I'm going to, uh, everyone listening is going to hear the full version of these songs. We're going to have to uh, listen to only a little bit of yeah. Leonard Cohen. <laughs> and if you've listened to any of mine at all, I always laugh because Leonard Cohen for me is the that that, that question I asked you about how you listen. Yes, Leonard Cohen for me is the archetype of somebody who listens to words in a song. Yes, and loves words in a song. Um, anthem. Uh, is your choice. I don't think anyone's picked this one. Could have picked many songs, presumably by, by yes. him, you mean. Yes. Uh, but this is still very current. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Mm. <laughs> Press play. The birds they sing Start again I heard them say Don't dwell On what has passed away Or what is yet to be Yeah, the war They will be fought again Still can ring 
That's how the light gets in For signs, the signs were sent. The birth betrayed, the marriage spent. Yeah, the widowhood of every government. Signs for all to see. Say their prayers out loud But they've summoned They've summoned up a thundercloud They're gonna hear from me Ring the bell That's still
Yeah, Len- Leonard Cohen, you were talking about. So, to, to, so John and I, the, all, all of our conversation that we just have between that song will be lost. <laughs> but it was good stuff. And um, uh, But what we got to do was have a, have a hug, um, uh, embrace it. Because I, uh, you know, it's easy, quote unquote easy, for me to, uh, to, to sit and ask the questions and pay attention. Uh, but it takes, takes courage to, to open one's self and reveal such very uh you know private painful uh memories but as you said maybe someone listens to this right and uh and it helps someone i hope it does helps me if <laughs> it's not about me but i think you've guessed by now that this is part of my <laughs> my my personal therapeutic plan is to is to uh is is to listen to people's stories gives me an awful lot Okay, all right. Now, uh, that was song six. And we're at four hours and <laughs> So we yeah, no, no, no. That's, I, I, and, and I think I think we would have, uh, I think a lot of people would have felt cheated had we not um, made this a long interview. We, we definitely needed, and then there's clearly tons that we haven't covered as well. Mm. Uh, but let's, let's, let's tick off the last song at least. Norman... Norman fucking Rockwell uh, by Lana Del Rey. Now, just to take you all back half an hour or so, there was a reference to a tattoo made uh, by Johnny Taps. Um, and, and and as I said, as an impressionistic comment, I think we can let that one, let that float along beautifully. But um, you said, yes, it is hard. I think you mean as in to choose seven songs, yes. right? And I have <clears throat> pondered much over my last album. I cannot go past Lana Del Rey. I would say she's my favourite singer-songwriter. I find it hard to explain why, but she is my go-to artist. Probably her latest album, Norman fucking Rockwell. Um, did you want the song? I This is the time I, I may have, on your playlist, I've, I've put the song Norman, Norman fucking Rockwell. Is that, is that right? Look, there's so many of them that on this album. That's why it's the one I'd take with me to mm. play mm onwards and over knowing that each time I hear it because of those gases not just rock side um, I'll um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for engaging <laughs> with that <laughs> you, you put it the second person that's, yeah, anyway yeah <clears throat> it's um I take it because all the songs in it are, are unique in their mm. own ways mm. um both melody and lyrics yep. um uh, Lynn and Angela are at home mm. um saying you're playing that uh, wrist-slitting music again because they sort of feel she's very much from that, um, which is there's a lot of popular music that would fit to that depresso melody. Okay. Because I'm not sure. Minor, you mean minor minor key you're talking about? I don't know. Like it's um, uh, not everyone takes to Lana Del Rey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. but like all of her, I've listened to all of her albums that she's done, yeah. and um, some of them, just the story because I'm a lyric man, yeah, uh, really resonate mm. with me. Not all mm. the lyrics, because she can be sometimes appears to be all over there in mm. some of the songs, mm. but uh, with her writing and Jack Antonoff, they seem to somehow. Uh, because I listen to it a lot, they seem to somehow 
appear to be all over the place, but it actually, in my mind and my inside spirit, I get it, Hmm. Um, which is, I would have thought, is a clever thing for writers, producers, artists to do. She resonates with you. And uh, on my my ignorance, how many albums roughly do you reckon she's released now? Two, three, five. Mm -hmm. And Uh, like Lust for Life was was, uh, a great... Alvin, you know, up on the H of Hollywood Hill. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I won't even dare sing it to, to him, but it's, um, but again, because I'm a lyric man mm. with it and the melody seems to be appropriate mm. and she'll do some other um, ones that have been written by other people, but it's clearly part of her twist. She's, mm. a, she's an interesting character that doesn't sort of overly sell herself and that's probably why... As Elizabeth Grant, the real person, mm. she's got the persona okay. of Lana Del Rey yep. mm-hmm. for her reasons. Yep. And um, so, if anyone finds her interesting, um, go down the rabbit hole. And for this is the most recent album. This is the most recent album, mm-hmm. which picked up a few singles that's combined into this album and a few new songs. Probably the one that I was going to say yep. is is called the greatest. The greatest. So, would you like that on the? Would you like that one being the the song that we put on the final edit? Um, I could go either way. Okay. Um, All right, Kim, if you're listening to this, mate, it's up to you. So it's, exactly. either, it's either the greatest or or Norman fucking Rockwell, whichever one. Yeah, you'd be happy with either, basically. Yes. Okay. Or or the other one, which I won't throw into it, is just <laughs> fuck. I love you. <laughs> Same album. Or? Same album. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna.
so sorry that we, well for everyone listening it's not sorry at all but but john and i've just had to um cut the beautiful beautiful singing of god she's got a good voice she's beautiful yeah. voice. if you're listening lana uh i'll interview you anytime um <laughs> <laughs> um all right we're on to your book <clears throat> ken follett lie down with lions very um very interesting choice it's one that i've Reread three times. So oh. I thought I had to give it justice. It's um, okay. We've touched on the issue of fantasy, reality, yes, spies, um, which I suppose <laughs> that's that sort was, of done little. It's reality stuff though, right? That's yeah, uh, for me, <laughs> for you. Yeah. Um, and this is um, this is around the time when Russia had a go in Afghanistan, when they were the invading force to try and have influence in Afghanistan. Like, look, you know, you talk about um, Galilee, Israel, Palestine, depending, whichever, you know, the, of, um, of being that centre of creation of Christendom and the end of it... Um, uh, and you look at Afghanistan, though, and boy, so many people have tried, haven't they? And they've all failed and yeah. still keep failing. But um, So that's set in that time of uh, two doctors in Paris as a group doing their training. One of the doctors is uh, uh, well, not an official spy, but he's a communist, so he's affiliated with Russia mm-hmm. and he's sort of like an undercover person who yeah. uh, a lot of doctors go and do third world. Um, it's kind of the good cover for, for if, you do, cover if you do want to do a bit of work for your government to, as well, just yeah. on the on the quiet, right? Go so, ahead. Uh, um, and the woman involved in it is, um, she's a doctor and she ends up going with the, the Russian one. Another friend that they have that they don't, that then got found out 
before they left Paris to go to Afghanistan is um, a CIA agent. Mm. So one on either side, yep. the whole thing. Um, Ken Follett's really good on like bringing in history and well-researched and things to right. locations. Right. Um, so the lion is the whole, the different groups who were fighting of Afghanis who were fighting against the Russians mm. that all ended up coming in, the Americans organised, mm. Russia left, um, rise of the Taliban, all of those sort of things. Yeah. It's... Um, so I, I I just had in my mind that he was more of a sort of fan, a, a sort of a sort of goblins and fantasy right? Have I got that completely wrong? Is he? Yeah, because he... Ken Follett can do that path like Pillars of the Earth. So does, he does thing. do that stuff too, does mm. he? Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. But right. But this one is more associated in with that point in time, espionage, oh. uh, a, a country in conflict, the yep. major powers. Yep. But within that, there's yeah. the older. Uh, is it the old uh, walnut in the, th the thing that keeps coming up? And that's yeah. uh, uh, the issue where this one sort of ties in with the whole lust, sensuality that goes on between people in war zones. Okay. And isn't that the story of our life of humans? Mm -hmm. You know, whether you go mm -hmm. back to Chaucer's tales or any of Shakespeare. Sure. It's so much about that no matter how much we learn, mm -hmm. we still get caught back in the whole basics of... These are eternal themes. Sensuality, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, politics, hate, violence. Yeah. And... That book sort of has all of those and there's nothing yeah. that's a good read. And sometimes through my life, I've things that I go back to a number of times, maybe we all hope to go back and find that little secret wisdom. Mm. Okay. Something that you haven't quite worked out the balance in. So you're saying, are you saying that you, you go back to, for example, this book and, yes. and, 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 and hope to infer some new... Uh, inspiration or nugget of, of truth from? In regards to how you live your life. Okay. And the people, obviously there's people who are very special because you've helped create them, mm. but we live in a another life mm -hmm. that we have a big influence on people and yep. some of our decisions are, um, you know, it sounds wanky, but it's true, our life and death. That's true. We get something wrong, we kill them. We get something right, we kill them and vice versa mm -hmm. for, for that. So so this book, this so, book so, you, so it, would this be unusual for you to read a book more than once? Yes. Mm. Okay, and you reckon, and, and three, you're, three times you've read this book? Yes. Gosh, yeah. And That's, look, it doesn't mean it's a great literary work. Oh, no, but who cares? Um, but and, if it's, and in the end, it's been something I've gone back to to try and help me right. with how I deal with things, those basic human issues that keep repeating themselves mm. through so many different books and stories. When, do you remember, did you read, when we say 1985 was when it was first yes. published. Did you Probably read it way 80s. back when? You yeah. see, right, yeah. right, right. Okay, interesting, interesting. I mean, that, that just that idea of revisiting a book, it just immediately that's interesting because yeah. there's because you know 
spoiler alert, you know how it ends, right? Mm. It's, it's, it's not like you're going to... Uh, but to go back and to mine it for more uh, sort of pearls. And I think uh, that old chestnut was what you were... Mm. the whole chestnut coming up is that yeah. the, not the walnut yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a nut though isn't it it's one Thank of the nuts what's that be fact checked <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we are Google free I've got to say we're not uh, all of this is coming straight out of, of uh, John's memory uh, uh, choice of film beautiful Kate 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 beautiful Kate 2009 did you have a look at all I, that movie? I haven't seen it, no. That's interesting because um, it, it's, look, it's a left field. It's an Australian film. Mm. Rachel Ward oh, yeah. um, produced and directed it. Um, obviously, wife of um, of um, Brian. Brian, uh, yeah, I don't know what you mean. Oh, uh, isn't that terrible? <laughs> Sorry, but. It was in, it was in, it was in uh, Cocktail amongst yeah. many other things. Um, um, and. Yeah, we'll get it. And it's also got Rachel Griffiths in mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Ben Mendelsohn. Oh, yeah, so they've act. all been in you know, overseas as well as Australian yeah. films. Yeah. And Brian Gosh. Brown was who I was Brian Brown. to think of. Brian Brown. Ah, well done. And, um, who needs Google? So this is a, a weird one because the movie is set in a, a rural area that just looks like some of these country tracks that we go to. Mm-hmm. So it's out wheat, sheep, lots of flies, miserable, hot. Uh, The father, which is Brian Brown, is dying. Mm. The son, who's, I think, a a successful author or scriptwriter or something like that, Brian Mendelsohn, Um, he's um, coming back home because Dad's dying. Uh, You then get the reminiscing. He's bringing his new bimbo-ish girlfriend slash wife or mm. whatever out mm. to meet the family. Mm. Still living at home is uh, Rachel Griffiths, the yep. older sister to Mendelssohn. And then you find out that goes on, two other siblings have died. Then through his memories and stories comes an undercurrent of... Favourites for a parent, Mm. incest, Mm. um, death, mystery, and it didn't rate all that highly, but it the the young Kate, beautiful Kate, the actress, and she's she's quite unique in some of the roles she's played. She was sort of like the teenage girl who was a little bit like the temp uh, what do you call the the temptress temptress thank you mm. um to her brother mm. who was Ben Mendelssohn yeah. who had out by the dam was half seduced mm. by her. Mm. The whole weird relationships of isolated farms, mm. siblings all living together in a house. I get it. I'm starting to get why you Expectations. It. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's that weird undercurrent that in our day jobs we see the results of mm. sometimes. Oh, boy, aren't there some of just, the violence yep, that can mm-hmm, go with yep, that, yep. of the... 
Um, like there's some people, when you look at reading about the film on a Google search and you'll get some of the comments, um, one stuck in my mind was about a girl who was affected by it mm. but was sort of angry that all these bad memories because she had been affected that way with incest in the family. Yep. So Rachel Ward, very clever, very talented producer um, and uh, director, um, has done a few good Australian movies and uh, well-regarded. But this movie seemed appropriate and with... um, Greedy Smith from Mental as Anything. Oh, he yeah. just died mm. the other day right. at 63, heart attack, Rest cardiac arrest. Mm. Um, yeah. Amazing yeah. singer, such yes. a happy man, well loved by yeah. everyone. Um, there's a song in a dance scene in this. <clears throat> is Have you ever heard the song? Well, you probably heard it on the, the obituaries and things, Live It Up. Oh, of course, yes, God. I mean, that that's one of the that, – that, that, was one of the ones, one of the few ones that made it through to to the British charts. That was just a huge, ah, huge hit. A great song. Oh, a great and, song. And again, something in those lyrics, oh, let alone the whole yeah. tune, uh, the, the melody of it. it just had that great. thing, didn't it? it had yeah. That, una- it, that, that indefinable magic quality to that song. Yeah. I think it was used, and wasn't it used as a, as a, in, a, in, in a really successful movie of the time as well, yeah. I think? it's um, it, it was just so classic in yeah. that of... Um, if you remember back to your teenage days, going to those dances, well, it's um, presumably well, not presumably. You, you're, you're, my, my teenage years played out in very different environments to yours, yes. um, but there was something about that song that you're talking about that was what I said before. Before yes. years before I'd ever come to Australia, yes. it, it gave me some weird sense of Australia, some stri- some strange nostalgia for a place that I'd never yet visited. It's a small world, isn't it? <laughs> so, just having hearing you describe it, it sounds very Old Testamenty, very, very biblical. dark, very like, could be quite disturbing to some people. Absolutely, and there's one of those things that I'm sure it could be, whether it's in the Balkans or mm. in the Russias or anywhere in Eastern Europe, Western Europe, you name it, let mm. alone the States mm. and everywhere. Mm. It's one of those things about is that I get back to, like I was saying before, those basics of what drives us as mm-hmm. human beings, mm-hmm. sensuality, how in itself can be the highest high mm than any other drug. Yep. It's like most surfers would say on a tube ride mm. is um better than it's sex. better than <laughs> it's better than an orgasm. And um yeah. to which the answer is well then you've not had an orgasm. <laughs> 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 but got yes, yeah, sorry, go on. But it's um and and I thought on those two, both the book and also the movie mm. and maybe with Lana Del Rey. Mm. Do they all play on your puzzlement or your of human behaviour of what motivates people to do things that clearly society says is a bad thing to okay. do? Yeah. Um, 
there's no answers in it, but it was just a theme yeah. that came through that, you know, you could pick all these famous things and what made you cry or do you pick something that is, is there no right answer to? Interesting. But yeah. it's worth thinking about. Yeah, great, great films, great art don't need resolution. Um, and I'm getting from you as well a, a, an acknowledgement that we're all flawed as, as humans. Um, and perhaps, you know, some people would, would do well to, you know, for example, t to choose an easy target that the current leader of uh, America might do well to acknowledge that we're all flawed as yes. humans and to... And he uh, knows better than anyone. Right, right. <laughs> to exercise a little more compassion and understanding yes. towards others. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Um, I talk about going from the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, your luxury item, all of a sudden, is an Amiga watch. <laughs> so, just so, you know James Bond wears an Amiga yeah. watch, don't you? <laughs> everyone, everyone now that knows you is giggling. And, and that Austin Healy. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a few watches, all yeah. Amigas, maybe a couple of Rolexes. Yeah, I've got a, a nice long giant, so I've got yeah. my 65th birthday. Too. Yeah, all oh, right. I'm giving you a few. I'm heritage you... divers. All oh, right, <laughs> I'm giving you three watches. How's that? Okay. Done. Oh, that's generous. Um, look, I love that you, one piece of music, you, you picked Lana Del Rey. I think mm. you've very eloquently um, and very um, poetically explained, I think, why why that should be. Um I really love that you. I think you're the first person, uh, quote or proverb. There's such a squirrely one. This uh, to use the American term that seems to be cropping up a lot now. Squirrely. Um, I love that you picked this one, uh, and I don't think anyone else has. Gone. Do, do you remember what it is? It is what it is. It's what it is. It just seems. Yeah. I I, I love that. I'm just going to leave it. There. I just love that you picked that because. Um, doesn't it just cover so much? It does. I, I could have easily picked a, a longer, for, which I could say is probably like my version on top of Matt's Nan's mm. comment, if you're going to do a job, then do it well. Mm -hmm. um, I'd add to that, if you're going to do a job and do it well, and if you can't do it well, don't do it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And um, we all face that at times mm. of... You know, when, you know, going out on a high, mm -hmm. all of those sort of mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. But um, it doesn't mean you don't try for things. But if you're going to try for it, then try and do it as well as you can. That's right. No matter how anxious, no matter how sick you feel, if you've turned up at work and you press that button to start, yep. you're just going to have to leave it all behind you and kick into gear. And do your job and do it. it well. Yeah, the, you've got a job to do, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And I'm just going to say again, please carry on working with me at a horse's job. <laughs> I love working with you. Very I love expensive. it. I love it. Um, ah, your virtual reality pod. Wow, this one is hard. This is me quoting John again. I find it hard to get Hollywood out of my head. Weird, I know. Venice Beach. So, you, so Los Angeles, right? Yes. Okay. If I had to tie you down to Venice Beach versus versus Hollywood, that's a bit unfair, isn't it? Because you can have the whole thing. You can have Los Angeles if you want. But Well, it's flowing from those Hollywood hills yeah, yeah. down the boulevards yeah. of the long, tall pines yeah. 
to then getting to this beach that is forever sand. Massive. Massive sand with yeah. these little lifeguard yeah, boxes that yeah, you've yeah. grown up with as a kid that's seeing. Right, that's right. And it's, look, that was one of those real privileges. Mm. Get all emotional about Like privileges of life was mm. um, going over there with Angela and mm. I wrote him a little diary of it. Um, it was a privilege to be able to get and do something that, and I didn't do things like that I'd normally do. I can't help myself. I've got to go off and do my thing occasionally. Was to go and actually do something for someone else, not just for yourself. Mm. And you could easily get caught up in feeling guilty about all the other kids at home and why have you gone to America over Christmas? There's that word again, guilt. (laughs) (laughs) That nasty one. Mm -hmm. And and then in the end you realised in that moment this was one of those moments that most fathers, um, most people, but particularly most fathers, never get to experience. Mm. And she's a an interesting person. Mm. God bless you. <laughs> Got so much good. I, I love. I love that. I love. Have, I love the passion in it as well. I love the fact. I love the fact that you're emotional. To 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 to, to recall, you know, how important that was. And um, I mean, I mean, I remember. I think we'd met already. I think you. I think I bet you. Then you went away, yes. and then we, afterwards as well. So it's relatively recently. And, uh, you know, it was it was kind of an odyssey of sorts, wasn't it? That trip mm. for you, it was huge. Yes, um, and I love that it's it's so clearly affected you emotionally as well. Um, you know, you and I love both share share feelings. I think about America, and uh, you know, God bless you for for going and sharing it with with your daughter. Thank you. Um, I'm going to wind this up. <laughs> it's oh boy, here we go. Four hours and thirty nine minutes. Oh, it's been a good one. Um, and you've said to quote you, uh, sorry for how long this has taken. Ha ha ha. It didn't. You got, you, you, you returned to profile really quick. Uh, reliving your life is unusual, but probably a good idea. Anything else you want to say, Johnny Taps? I think it's true. Uh, I think it, um, after a little period where I, I was sort of stunted and, and nearly didn't continue, um, the sake that through the help of a lot of other people I have continued and I feel really privileged that you've given me this opportunity <laughs> to um, to revisit, get perspective, appreciate, um, move on from the guilt because none of us are perfect um, but know that even people who you've let down, you didn't do it out of any malicious reasons, Mm. you didn't do it any more than you couldn't cope anymore or find another way of doing it. And uh, so sorry for letting you down, but you just cannot win them all. (laughs) Well, I'm going to say finally then that that you are, it's difficult to get across if you don't know, this guy is universally, universally respected loved in equal measure uh the privilege is mine and uh and i mean today and i also mean over the last couple of years uh standing alongside you it's been a it's been a total privilege for me 
so thank goodness you, you did come through that that time in 2011 because I would have never got to meet you and, and that's been a, a great thing in my life so thanks mate.